This episode of the Seabros Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Monahans Marine. We recently partnered with Monahans and are excited to be working with a local marine business that has been serving the South Shore of Massachusetts since 1961. For decades, the crew at Monahans has been helping generations of boat owners with outboard parts, boat service, marine equipment, and fishing tackle. Their professionalism and passion for being on the water has made them one of the most reputable boating headquarters in the Northeast. Monahans is located on Washington Street in Weymouth, and they are currently a Jones Brothers and Tidewater Boats retailer and have the most well-stocked inventory of Yamaha outboards, parts, and rigging in mass. The entire staff and crew of technicians have decades of experience, and as a recent addition, Monahans has built and rigged out a brand new 4,000 square foot offshore and inshore fishing tackle shop. They are fully stocked with everything needed for offshore canyon fishing, nearshore bluefin tuna fishing, striped bass fishing, and more. We're excited to be able to use this new space as a home base to maintain our own tackle and charter fishing fleet, as well as use it as a spot to film some upcoming podcasts and workshops. As a part of this partnership, Monahans has been generous enough to give all listeners a discount on anything in their store and facility. So when shopping at Monahans, if you use promo code MBG24 at checkout, you'll receive 10% off any purchase in their tackle or marine department. To learn more about Monahans Marine, their location, boat and engine inventory, or parts, visit monahansmarine.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mass Bay Guides. Mass Bay Guides is our family-run charter fishing fleet that's based out of Situate, Massachusetts. We've been providing anglers with the ultimate fishing adventure for over 20 years. Whether you're looking to put together a multi-boat corporate fishing trip, a trip for your family, or you're an avid angler looking to catch a giant bluefin tuna, our crew will do anything it takes to make sure you and your friends and your family have a great day on the water. To book a trip with us, please visit the Mass Bay Guides website, www.massbayguides.com. You can search prices, trip information, and get the latest reports and links to our social media pages there. You can also find us directly on Facebook and Instagram and just search Mass Bay Guides. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Black Oak LED Lighting. Black Oak LED manufactures high-quality LED lighting, at a reasonable price for the fishing, boating, hunting, and military communities. If you're looking to upgrade the lighting system on your boat, Black Oak LED provides many different options of marine-grade lighting, including cockpit spreader lights, LED light bars, undergunnel lights, and underwater lights. We've had Black Oak LED lighting on both of our boats for several seasons now with zero failure, zero issues. They're an essential tool for us to help ensure safe rides home, to and from our fishing grounds in low light and poor visibility conditions. And their series of marine spreader lights are also a great tool for getting bait fish to school around your boat in the dark. If you're re-rigging your boat or outfitting a new vessel, check out Black Oak LED for your lighting systems. Make sure to use the promo code GIANTBLUEFIN for 20% off your order. This episode is brought to you by Afuera Coffee Company. Afuera Coffee Company was started by and for people who not only love exploring the outdoors, but care deeply about restoring and preserving our environments and habitats so everyone can enjoy them for years to come. To help work towards this, they donate 5% of all sales to charities and organizations currently donating to Cappins for Clean Water. 
Everything done at Afuera has sustainability as the main focus, sourcing beans from certified Rainforest Alliance farms, using compostable coffee bags, mailers, stickers, packaging, and of course, donating a portion of sales, not just profits to protect Mother Nature. It is their dream that through many small decisions, such as choosing and brewing your go-to coffee, that we can all make a substantial difference in the health and cleanliness of our world. Afuera is doing it right and makes a tasty product. If you want to give Afuera Coffee a try, visit afueracoffee.com and use promo code MASSBAYGUIDES for 15% off your first order. Our guest on this episode of the podcast is a good friend of ours, a fellow fisherman, and we've been fortunate enough to collaborate with him both on the water and through this podcast. He was essentially born into fishing like many of us and has spent the majority of his life on the water. He has over 20 years of offshore fishing experience and has respectably logged over 100 trips to the Northeast Canyons. Not only is he a passionate fisherman, but he grew up as a serious athlete and competitor. He played hockey at a high level in high school and he attended Hobart College where he played four years of Division I lacrosse. After graduating from Hobart in 2009, our guest went on to play lacrosse professionally for the Boston Cannons for five years as a defensive midfielder. In 2010, our guest became the sales manager for Gibbs Lures, focusing his efforts on refurbishing the company's image in both the inshore and offshore fishing community. In 2013, our guest joined the Castafari team, fishing with Captain Damon Sacco, and has since become an integral part of the program's offshore accomplishments. He has been aboard the Castafari for several tournament wins and many notable catches. In 2014, our guest partnered with his friend Mike Croteau and became a partner and owner of Deep Ocean Apparel. Our guest's focus at Deep is in sales management and social media. It is here where he can blend his passion for fishing and the ocean with a company that brands itself around the outdoor lifestyle. Most recently, our guest has been spending most of his fishing time with his brother, Dan, aboard their family's 46-foot West Mac Tough Guy. And over the past several seasons, they have been dialed in on the giant bluefin bite that has been taking place in the summer months off of Rhode Island, New York, and Connecticut. Our guest's catch rate, well, his family's catch rate and success over the past few years has earned them the respect as one of the top producing boats in their area. This conversation was truly a blast. Our guest is hysterical, experienced, passionate, a pleasure to talk to, a pleasure to brainstorm with, and I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Without further ado, please welcome to the podcast, Matt Smalley. Welcome to the Seabros Fishing Podcast, where we follow three words of wisdom. You can't catch them if you don't have a hook in the water. Always trust your instincts. And the last, you'll just have to keep listening. Stay tight. So the way that we typically do these things is start off physical 
<laughs> yeah. Just say, when do we do the the, the, the Sea Bros physical? Is that, is that cop, cop, cop. All right. I think Riley already gave me that. Idea. Yeah, he did. He already sniffed enough down there. Yep. Um, rapid fire. The fastest, truest answer that comes to mind. And if you go off on a story or tangent, it's encouraged. Okay. Um, and then we will kind of morph more into your story. Well, we've strategically listed the questions so the final questions will kind of force us into that all right so here we go um if you had to pick one lure to feed your family for the rest of your life what would that lure be uh gibbs lures pencil popper uh one lure. Uh, so you can do an offshore and an inshore one. Yeah, yeah. No one's ever done uh, an inshore I do a little one. product plug. But um, offshore lure, the a swimmer, like a, like a bomber or Ooh. a nomad Ooh. or what's the other? Marauder. You know, probably like a, probably a marauder. Like a deep I feel dive, like a, a deep, deep diving, diving plug. plug. I feel like a deep diving plug. Not, I hate fishing them. I, think I hate them too. I hate fishing them, but when... Yeah, when we'll cover that later. But when you get to a point when you see, I just feel like everything fucking eats it. I feel like inshore stuff will eat it. I, I feel like, like you put it, it out for a like So, that. yeah, that's so an overall plug for inshore and offshore. You pick, yes, I dislike them, but production wise, undeniable. Yeah, they're not the sexiest. Oh, no, yeah. and, I mean, like, in the and they're not no very visual. difficult to fish right. in most in most situations. Mm-hmm. So, I can see why you're like, meh, but it makes total sense. Now, are we talking like a just a, a deep diving plug, period, or are you saying a trolling or a cast? I, no, I would say, yeah, I would say more of a trolling from a trolling perspective. I feel like it's done decent stuff inshore, yeah. unintentionally, and offshore. So, yeah, I feel good about that. All right. That's a good answer. That's an okay. actual, that's an that's a very answer. different answer. Everyone's always like, green machine or... Um, you know. Bullet. Zajac was hilarious, by the way. I was fucking enlightening. <laughs> that kid. I was like, I, I pinged him after. I was like, listen, it, uh, extra. Here's a, another hundred bucks in gear for every decade. <laughs> I was like, keep keep getting him because he's pretty distant with like every. He's like, an authority. Yeah. No social media. No nothing. No, but, but everybody knows that. Big yeah. presence. I love. He's it. amazing. Yeah, amazing dude. Right. Hysterical. Um, he's, he's a man's man. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Gathered that. Yeah. Are you superstitious? Well, yeah, I, bananas. Yeah, oh you yeah. Have a banana, that, yeah. You still have I a mean, banana shirt? There's... We still have the banana shirt. Yes. Yeah. Uh yeah, no fucking bananas and uh <laughs> of course. I mean, I don't think there's really any other ones, but not superstition, but yep. you know, keeping things a certain way. It has to be a certain way. I think that's something that grows on you as you get more involved. So OCDness. Yeah. Back okay, to that. Right. Okay. Yeah, we're circling back to that, but no crazy superstitions, but yeah, no bananas, that's a great start. Don't fucking bring him. Like every top tier captain mate that I've ever met has said the like exact same thing. Everything has its place. They have What's a program hilarious? and they're somewhat OCD. What's hilarious is like, I obviously am not OCD. He is certain, the op. He is certain I, things. These are part of my questions. <laughs> I have fucking questions for you guys. Certain things I am though. Because you see the end product. This is obviously very it's successful. Just, like I have a chosen OCDness. It's not a general. It's older OCD. brother selective OCDness is what it is. Correct. We'll, we'll go into that. He's okay. more OCD like in the moment. I'm more OCD in the like macro 
We'll talk later about this. <laughs> we'll fucking talk. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're shuffling around, picking up the messes. 100%. And it's like, well, and then he turns around. He's like, well, why are you doing it that way? It's like, if you had something to say, you should have said it 10 minutes ago when I was fucking cleaning it. <laughs> but so let's, let's get through oh, the oh, yeah, I didn't know oh, yeah. it was going to be about me. Oh, Psychological I, uh, right. dynamic. You guys, have, you guys have to be fair because it's going to be you two teaming up. On uh, no, no, no. But here's, here's the thing. I understand both sides of, you know, the coin. Like, I get it. The older brother is typically shouldered earlier on with the more responsible shit and we're responsible for taking out the trash and fucking whatever else. I, I mean, I don't know. We're going to have to cover all these topics. This yeah. is amazing. Next. Next. We're, we're moving on from um, this. It's get giant bluefin deadly. tuna or big eye tuna? I think giant bluefin, hands down. I mean, I love big eye, but there's the, the bang for your buck and how far you have to go, you know, relatively i think is yeah it's giant bluefin tuna is there any other fish that you've caught that you like better than giant bluefin nope nope i don't think so i mean there's nothing cooler i think and piled on you've got blue like just big eye bites out of the canyon but we all know you're out there for two fucking days and you're dealing with rat after rat and yeah when you go from and you guys could probably agree to this like if you guys go from the ocd-ness of giant bluefin tuna and you hop on, you're doing a nine rod spread in the canyons. Right. It's tough to shut that off because you can't micromanage totally every single thing. And so I find it mentally exhausting, but yeah. you try to. So we've just basically, we would do the canyon and it's not as much anymore or as much as we'd like, but try to target bigger fish, you know, with bigger lures and bigger stuff. And, but when you're in the canyon, it's just like, you're always imagining, oh, the big guys are all going to come up and right. it's, there's nothing cooler than that, but you know, giant bluefin tuner, man. Dude, I feel like fuck, every, up I feel to a like, thousand pounds, and you don't have to yeah. go very far. It's like how right. do you get? I know. I, I I'm with you, and I and back to the whole comparing bluefin fishing to to canyon fishing. I'm a firm believer that it helps you. Bluefin fishing helps you be a much better canyon fisherman. Dude, canyon fishing isn't hard to produce fish, but to get like consistent. But to, certain bites is difficult to get the bite and to capitalize on a right. five banger of a hundred and fifty pound. I think big it's eyes. just whole, it's just apples and oranges. Honestly, totally. it is. It is. Yeah. How do you manage the chaos and yeah. like almost like getting the bites aren't the the problem? It's it, yeah, capitalizing that's luck of the draw. It. You roll the dice and yeah. you're in the right area. There's only so much special shit you can do. Yeah. To to differentiate yourself from the fleet and you know that's that's when you have limited days to get out there. That's the not a frustrating part, but you know, if you know you're doing the right things and they roll through, yeah. usually if you're doing the right shit, you're gonna get a look. Yeah. Whereas with Canyon, you know, anybody can have their day. But overall, I'm sure you look at the guys who go out to the canyon every single week or twice a week, you know, you'll see that num- that curve flatten out a little bit. But it's yeah, it's it's a little, little bit more unpredictable. I mean, giant fishing. I mean, I'm not telling you guys anything. It's not predictable by any stretch. But they're creatures of habit. It's a smaller ocean, mm-hmm. typically for bigger bluefin. So, the little things I've seen, you know, you can you can do a little bit of a yeah. different performance. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Can I have you tweak like a tiny bit, just because it's getting a little more of the back of your head? Look at you too, Perfect. Taylor. Sorry about that. Just, I just stare, want to just stare into me. that beard and see if there's any bugs in it. Perfect. <laughs> Feeling extra tough starting to slide over there. It's, it's there. just me. Double check. We will be situated. We usually have a. It takes like ten minutes. Yeah. These things got some weight. It does. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll knock it over or knock it over. 
Yeah. I'm done moving around. Um, speaking of beards, what is your personal favorite facial hairstyle that you have donned? Yeah, we've seen a lot of lifetime. Yeah, well, and hair. Yeah, does it? Your hair is phenomenal. Thank you, I appreciate. I'm truly envious. I mean, like as everyone knows, you know, there's nothing lacking up there. So every time I stare at pictures of you, I'm like, God. Damn. I'm a I'm a wanner and not a haver. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. You know? it's hanging it. I, listen, he I, he rocks it pretty good. I'm with a hat on. I'm I'm good. This is one of the few things I got that, <laughs> and I, I and frankly, I I got a rocket. But also, I'm pretty fucking lazy. <laughs> the the mustache will be there depending on how much hair is accrued in the sink at that point. <laughs> and what what type what type of clog I'm looking at down the road? But uh, I think a mustache or a handlebar is. Probably the most ideal. Yeah, when you're really feeling it. 100%. That's but you know. Did you dye your mustache at one point? Yeah, we did do that. We were raising money for Movember, and this was back in uh, like 2012 or some shit. But I think we're not bringing it back. I think it about I like the the ble- It almost looked like Taylor's, like that color right there, like a reddish brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This don't go blonde. <laughs> you no matter how much you bleach, they it. call that sex panther. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh that's great yep um circle hooks or j hooks we ask every single person this question yeah and i'm gonna freeze up like everybody else but depending on the scenario but i'm gonna go a circle over over j for yeah for bait fishing obviously i think circle but i hear everybody say this it's so tough it's like if i had confidence in a in a good hook set with the j hook yeah you know, trolling Canyon. Yeah. Jay, I'm becoming more and more confident with the hook set and fishing circle hooks, trolling for tunas in the canyons with them. Not yeah. just billfish. Really? Because we've had so many bycatch yellow fins and big eyes while trying to pick out a white Marlin. Yeah. As long as you're, in my opinion, approaching it the same way as live bait fishing for giants. At least the way that loose we loose drag and you bring it up. Loose drag, yeah. the whole thing. Make sure your tethers, your your flatline clips, everything is dialed perfectly. And you know, I can honestly, I can honestly say, like, I can think of one hand, like short bites on a you know yeah. face rig circle hook on a tuna fish, fifty pounds or bigger. Really? You know? Yeah. Honestly, hmm. I mean, the, the the struggle is if you're trying to use a lure or lure is a spread a, a bar. Story. It's a whole different I think story dead bait, live dead bait, bait, like you can pretty much get away with yeah. a circle hook on everything as long as you're yeah i know guys were ringing them with uh shoots too they're putting big circle hooks yeah yeah I, you probably had to do it for yeah. the tournaments right yeah, it, yeah we did it with uh with damon and tommy down in the mid-atlantic this past year and i mean from what i gather it's just lighter drag and pay attention yeah hmm. it's but it's all it is that's a tough thing it's tough to change up the shoot combo in the canyon uh, from a hook that you know will work to right. So I guess unless it was just unless it was a tournament, I probably would just go back to you know used to do a lot of owners and you know the typical problem people have they're chemically sharpened so you can't, right. you could tweak them a little bit you know you can you know sharpen them up a little bit for that day but mm. as soon as that hits salt water it's gonna corrode but you know the mustad with the longer hook I found is you know I like that I mean I like the longer hook because yeah. I mean, we're going to get into rigging later, but I like that hook placement. I like a bigger hook because you can get that when you seal it up at the top, the eye of the hook can still stay out. And that's yeah. just for me and my preference. My brother probably has no fucking idea to do that, but <laughs> you probably prefer that it would be the owner hook. It's like what I did with Damon and stuff. He's like, oh, Matty, did you do that? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, put it in the water. Put it in the water. It, it, whatever, yeah, as long as yeah, as long as you're catching. It's, yeah. yeah, get the fucking thing away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yep. Um, speaking of tournaments, what's your favorite tournament up here in the Northeast to fish? This episode is sponsored by Costa Del Mar. If you didn't know already, Costa makes some of the best fishing sunglasses on the market. They have a ton of frame options and offer a wide variety of lens colors. And their 580 color enhancing polarized lens technology is tried and true. We are big fans of their blue mirror lenses for our offshore fishing charters and their green mirror lenses for inshore. They've stepped up their game big time and they offer a great new line of performance fishing apparel. We've been wearing a lot of it the past few seasons on charters. We found that all of it's well-designed, comfortable, durable, quick drying. It can handle a beating. To check out Costa's great selection of sunglasses, apparel, and wide variety of other products, visit costadelmar.com. I think... You know, we did the tri-state for years and, you know, that's lottery fishing to a degree, but a uh, good story about like the guy who owns our marina where like we keep our boat, Midnight Rambler, Jackson and stuff like that. His name's Frank and he owns the boat, Tammy Ann, and he fishes probably like three times a year mm-hmm. and then just does maintenance on the, on the marina himself, which is mm-hmm. pretty impressive. But then he goes to tri-state, pre-fishes it once. And I shit you not, his office is kind of, it's like twice the size of this, but peppered with tri-state trophies, checks. He's won an absurd amount of money from that tournament. And he fishes once or twice a summer. Can you fucking believe that? Is it all luck? And, and after it? hearing, and like walk, I walked to his office, like, I'm like, eh, Frank, right. the fucking dumpster's full or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, oh. yeah, he fished that thing for 10 years, harder and you know, doing it, doing it right with the right guys and in the right Calcutta's. And the closest we got was, you know, fourth biggest fish, and you don't get paid shit for that. Yeah, you know, it's tough. So, it's, many, what are there? Two hundred fifty boats in that tournament? No, no, no. I think it's like a eighty boat tournament. Oh, it's so 80, it's relatively okay. small compared, like Mid Atlantic's, like yeah. you know, one eighty. That's the like one that. I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. But I love the uh, big game battles. Awesome, dude. Like it's so much fun. Like the I fact that, that tournament, it's a good. <clears throat> You know, the honor system gets sketchy, but that's not a big money tournament. I know there's some Calcutta's, but that's fun fishing. Just being in Nantucket yeah. at that time is yeah. amazing. Dude, the, the nights after that tournament are berserk. Oh, it's so much yeah. fun. Oh, yeah. So boats much fun. Sinking, oh, yeah. Boats sinking with people. <laughs> you should get remember, some good content. I remember one year, one year we go from like boat to boat party hopping at night and like you could hear this, the, the music was so loud in the boats each boat had their own song and you couldn't hear the next song until you were in the boat. <laughs> you could be 15 feet from the boat and you can't hear yeah, it because it's mayhem. Like just it's so many boats playing music. One, one FOMO moment I have from big game battle. I want to say it was like two or three years ago was when uh, Jimmy Buffett showed up like on the docks. I think it was like behind. Dude, that's outrageous. And he was like hanging out with everyone oh, and all that. It was when he had uh, what is it, Last Mango? His yeah. boat. Does he still have that? The, big the Freeman? Freeman. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. But um, you guys like work with him and are affiliated with him, right? Uh, with Jimmy? No, I mean, listen. If Jimmy's listening, we'd love to. Kenny Chesney. Oh, Kenny. Kenny yeah, Chesney. yeah, yeah. Kenny, Kenny. Yes, we are. We um, I haven't met him personally yet, but my partner Mike has back. That's uh, cool. 
when he was doing the tour, I think it was COVID put a stop to that, like almost, is that like two years ago now or a year, more than a year? Yeah. When did COVID two, start? Two years. Almost three years now. In a 20, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's like two and a half years. It was like that, wasn't it like that spring line you guys yep. had going into COVID when that all affiliation yep. started? Yep. Gotcha. Yep. So, yeah, he's, um, you know, my understanding is he likes to fish and opportunities out there anytime he wants to, but yep. we're actually planning a trip to go down to... Uh, was it Paradise Cove, Bahamas? So Kenny is uh, obviously runs the foundation that we do for deep. And this is a scenario where we provide, you know, eco clothing and portion of the proceeds goes back to one, no shoes reefs and reju- rejuvenating the reefs. And, you know, it's a good cycle. And then the shirts are made of plastic bottles that are recycled. So it's, you know, it's a good story with it, but we're going down to Paradise Cove, supposed to be in two weeks. Can't find my passport right now. No so we way. Have to work, figure that out. You can get an expedited replacement. I heard for like a cool G. <laughs> yeah, it's a thousand bucks. Or, like or you can drive to like up like Ho Dunk, Vermont, or something, yeah. and go get a new one. There's like, dude, one of the only places around. This is driving me nuts because <laughs> I, like I, I know what, I moved once and I was like, I know it's a brand new Chris passport. I'm like, I, I know I put it somewhere. Yeah. It's, Oh, you know it's eating at me. So <laughs> I got to sort that shit out. I'm sure you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, back on track. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite canyon to fish? I, I think Rhode Island's placed in a pretty awesome spot because you know if you really want to go far east, you can. Uh, you'll know you won't have any traffic. Uh, Veach is probably the furthest west of those like eastern section that you can go yeah. without really dealing with a lot of. You know, I mean, there's a lot of Connecticut, Montauk kind of all comes together, Rhode Island at that same point. And then, but I would, I would say Veach, honestly, I, I don't get out to oceans or. Who all said that? Damon? Damon. I love Veach as well. Yeah. Well, that's close. To, sick trips there. Yeah. It's. Veach is sneaky. It is. A L- lot of big blue marlin hooked in and around yeah. Veach. For me anyway. Big eyes. Yeah. It's also the closest one for like a boat coming out of like Falmouth or the yeah. islands, right? Yep. So yeah, this trap. We usually try to play the traffic, and we're not fucking picky. You go where you can go at the time you yeah. have. But Veach is great. That little mm-hmm. those notches in between Veach and Hydro that not a lot of people go over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they think they have to be in a canyon yeah. to catch fish, but yep. no. The walls are a lot of times better. Yeah. Canyons. When I started with Damon and kind of learning the program, and he's the first one that I realized the flats are in play. Oh, yeah. For a ton of shit. Totally. Yeah. And when 10 a.m. on the second day shows up and he's like, you know, pointing it, pointing it back to Falmouth, we'd put three good hours in trolling in the flats and sometimes do our biggest damage. And, you know, that's where you get your tip. But yep. it was, I was like, holy shit, you just got a blue marl and a wahoo and, you know, a six bang or a couple of slob, shots of yellow, slob yellow, yeah, whites, yellows. Yep. And yeah. So, I mean, don't sleep on the flats. Totally. Can't. That's good, what we, that's a good we tip get, right there. Yeah, we want to get back to it. Like, right. We, I feel like the past couple of years, it's been, oh, 3,500 feet, buoy, this, that. Yeah. When we started going back in I the like day. I like fishing shallow, unless I'm big eye fishing, but yeah. know, everything else, you pretty much catch everything else up I think shallow. The big, biggest big eye, I, you know, our boats caught was, you know, it was in like 350 feet, 380 feet right. in Hudson. Yeah, because for some reason, I don't know why, but- they get together with the bluefin and stuff, and they don't oh, go yeah. shallow. But yeah, it could be the time of year. But right. Yeah. yeah, they definitely mix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, a lot of those like <clears throat> June, early July trips where you have a good shot at the Northeast Tuna Slam. Yep. A lot of it is in the shallow shit. Yeah, you're almost bluefin fishing, but it's six hundred yeah. guy. Yeah. Right yeah. on the slope. I remember the first time we hooked a giant in the canyon like six years ago and went back there three weeks later and you know, they're still there. And it was right in that second it's the third week of June, first, second week of July. Yep. That's like the most epic time to get out there. If you want to hook a giant in the canyon, just put one of us on your boat. Don't let the, we don't have to touch anything. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. Well, you is. had one in the. It's bad. Was it with opportunity in yeah. the OBC Yeah, both of them. Yeah, both two, two tournaments in a row. Yeah, well, I had one with two Miles. years in a row on the opportunity. Yeah, and I think Billy had one last year in the Oak Bluffs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we pulled into the tip of Hydro, and it like looked good. There was sheer waters yeah. and. The temp like was almost a seventy. I'm like, oh, let's just throw them in. Mm. Like one, one, one value fucking, in the one water. value in the water. <laughs> Six hundred fifty pounder. One fucking real. Three yeah. and a half hours oh, yeah, later, I thought deep. it was a blue marlin. Died. Fifty came up dead. Yeah, on a 50. fifty stand up. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What's IGFA, his face? Uh, one you want the rod? No, it was no, uh, uh, Matt Bork. Matt Bork. He he killed it. I mean, he had so much pressure on this fish. The rod was maxed out. The line was burning through the grip. T- yeah. Like before literally the cutting first, oh, really? the first guy, guy. that folder. It was like a CMS oh, fifty to eighty class dude. Right stick. At the butt. We were yeah. putting like forty pounds of heat on it because he was full hand in the in the spool. Like, yeah, he did. We really couldn't good. touch it, but we were. He was maxed full drag hand. The spool it was a shit show. It was Matt, fun though. Matt yeah. Ward, nice job there. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, a good I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not envious of that position. <laughs> I'm not either. Oh, dude. I was like, didn't you want to look him in the eye at like hour three? I was like, oh, Just God. Keep loading up waters. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that's funny. Um, so you're also an athlete. Have been your whole life for the most part, it seems. Not yeah. You know, sports are a big part of growing up. Don't yeah. do shit now. But um, yeah, hockey was the biggest thing growing up. Right. You went to a yeah. I went to uh, Avon Old Farms in yep. Connecticut. That was for hockey. I went to a high school and it's a private school in Providence that was a good school. And you know, parents trying to do the good thing where they're like, sports, right. yes, very important. I understand it, but you know, you gotta do well in school. I'm like, well, I'm an idiot, <laughs> and no teachers, <laughs> no teachers gonna want me. Like, they're not gonna convince me I want to be here. Uh, you know. My brother is naturally smart, just wouldn't fucking do the work. Uh, and he was cool with that. Um, he would get by and whatever and on brains alone. But like I learned a different way and I it was just the effort putting in was just tough to keep doing. So when it came down to the teachers at this school in Providence, they were good and eventually got to a point where it was like, all right, if I'm taking a sport seriously, I got to go where the hockey and maybe there's both. And that's ultimately what I had to convince my parents of. But Avon was a really, it was like the the hockey school at the time. And I get there. Good lacrosse program. Yeah, it was all good. But at the time, it was funny because I, I, I always loved lacrosse. Yeah. Hockey was starting to feel like work. Lacrosse was just like, oh, this, this seems like something I really enjoy doing. And when you only play like five games a year and then you do like two summer camps, it's like, there's no stress around it. It was fun. Yeah. And looking back, I like I realize I don't watch a lot of hockey anymore. Like I love playoff hockey. I mean, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Eventually you get to a point where it's like, man, my life is hinged on making this fucking team. Yeah. And I get there. I so this is a funny, funny fact about me. Six <laughs> years of high school. 
six well, years of high school. Two of them elected because I needed to. So I repeat. I was a young. I was a well, year we're young. Opening up a can of worms. Can love it. Yeah, I, <laughs> nothing better. I, I so I'm I'm like 13 going into freshman year. So that's young for any freshman. So when I repeated my junior year at Avon, I'm in my normal grade. I go in my roommate's fucking 195 pounds, jacked, shirt off, like oiled up, like <laughs> like, and he's about to go to the weight room. And there's a whole fucking fleet of them coming down the hallway. It was like the meat. It was like the meat factory annex of the dorm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, mom, dad, like, you're not going to fucking want to hear this, but I think I need to do another fucking year. <laughs> and they're like, okay, sweetie, sweetie, why don't we just like, you know, see how you do. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to do. So I make the team that year. There's like 180 kids tried out for like fucking 10 spots. And I make it by the skin of my teeth. I'm like, all right. Um, very huge. You know, I learned the game again because I had never, I realized I hadn't been coached like really well so it took a while to find my footing and that time like i don't lacrosse opened up some more doors and it took to it more naturally and hmm. that's that so you did you start playing lacrosse at avon or prior to that no no i was playing probably started in sixth grade you know my older brother started playing in like eighth grade and it's one of those sports that you don't need it's like basketball like you could just dribble anywhere yeah, yeah. and that's if you like doing that, it's easy to get good at right. it. Yeah. If you know how to handle the ball, totally. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> lacrosse is so much easier in my eyes because stick handling and hockey, I mean, you're still not possessing it. Like you're not holding it when lacrosse, like you could it's like, holy shit, I, I like I can run you this whole fucking thing down there and score. Totally. Without running the risk of losing possession. I don't know. It and then, you know, when you're fourteen, you start growing, and in my case, like eighteen. It, you know, things start, you know, I learned how to get the crap kicked out of me my whole life. And then when you finally get to like, you know, normal man size, yeah, it's, you know, things started clicking a little bit easier and just opened up more doors for college. And yeah, so I had to make a tough choice. My senior year is best year for hockey, but you That's know, cool. you got to go where, you know, college is going to open the doors. Then you went to Hobart. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, probably in hindsight, probably should have taken a couple of the scholarship offers to other places, but a uh, girlfriend was in central New York at the time. So I was like, Oh, but the, uh, the, always a girl. Oh, fucking a. But no, the real appeal is like, I, they had a really good D three hockey team. And I was like, I'm not ready to give up on it yet. I was like, shit, what if I wanted to do both? That'd be badass. Yeah. And you get up there and the hockey team's sick too. Like they're playing 12 games into lacrosse season. So I wouldn't have been able to do one. Well, so yeah. it's a good problem to have, but it, I needed to change. That's cool. Hockey's exhausting. I'm sure you guys know that time commitment that comes with yeah that totally it's ridiculous it scares me yeah you know it scares me it's like being a hockey parent like i felt bad i feel bad now for like my dad driving all the way to work to drive back and i'm like i got a house league game at 7 p.m in smithfield which is like back up north it's like dude i feel bad i did that to you <laughs> he's, he's like no, I mean, you liked it the whole just the whole dynamic of ring time in comparison to what like the logistics of lacrosse it's like completely different oh, yeah. animal i mean lacrosse has its traveling teams and things yeah, like that but it's nowhere near what like, hockey tournaments is and stuff but like this, Same with basketball. Right, there's definitely a more relaxed vibe to it for right. sure yeah it's less specialized i mean you get guys that can play you know whatever kids can play different sports and also be i feel like hockey it's like all it overlaps everything. everybody's like oh yeah you want to play more sports now you want to you know, the idea is around like you're learning different qualities from, you know, you play basketball, you play soccer, but you're the man at hockey, right. you know, coaches want to know what you look like as the 
what's your second sport? How do you behave? Like when you're not the man, like, yeah. you know, what, what do you bring to the table and are you okay not playing? So a lot of coaches would start when over specialization happened, would start recruiting. All right. What's your, what's your other trick? Like, how do you do playing basketball? So I, you just can't do that with hockey. You can't, yeah. like you got to be all fully, in traveling. fully committed. It's a family thing too. And I'm like, dude, I like to fish. <laughs> I like to fish a lot more now. <laughs> you better be really good. Uh, how did you, uh, how did you find your way playing for the cannons? Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, so coming from when I graduated Hobart, the league went down from like 12 teams to six. So the talent pool just got completely consolidated. So I was like, fuck dude, there's no way that I'm going to get drafted and a chance to play. Well, good thing about lacrosse is that they needed the best product out in the field and training camp, not drafted or, you know, drafted overall, you were easily cut or you, you had the same shake at it. So yeah. yeah, I got an invite to training camp. I, before that I walked on to the Boston indoor team, which is the Boston Blazers. They yep. played at the garden. It was like yep. probably the peak of my Yeah, we used to, I used to go I, on them. I think Watch I went them. to the first, like when it like came back to Boston. There was like kind of a pause, right? In yeah. indoor lacrosse. Yeah. I went to like the first game that it was savage, dude. Fights and stuff right oh, off, right off the rip. Yeah. I was I was, was like, like addicted. It was like to professional it. hockey yeah. in the cross mix. That's yeah. what it is, pretty much. Yeah, the, yeah. My peak athlete moment was just I didn't even dress. I was just up in the stands. I had a garden parking pass. I was like, oh, this is fucking sweet. Have some beers up there, or whatever. Yeah. It's my first game I'm watching, and I never played before, but it helped me learn a lot of like skills. You work in a smaller space. So mm. you learn, learn how to be more, you know, proficient with stick handling and shit. But the first game I'm there in the suit, I'm like, all right, this is fucking great. Let's watch the game. I'm up there with another American. He played for, he went to Middlebury. So this is his first experience with box two, but we made it through the six week training camp, which was grueling. And we're like, all right, I forget we were playing, but uh, I'm down in the locker room. There's an offensive guy that he's spraying, the fucking tough skin on his knuckles. It was the stuff that held the pre-wrap to your ankles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right, what are you doing here, Connor? Because like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? <laughs> and he's an offensive. He's an offensive guy. So I'm like, all right, I, I, you're not really the guy to be doing this. But he's like, yeah, well, there's a little thing we have to settle. I was like, okay. So I fucking like <laughs> run up to the top of the box, and it wasn't more than five seconds in after the face-off. All five guys just fucking, and it was. I'm like, all right, these guys are going to fall down at some point. Right. You're on turf and you're with on turf shoes. This isn't ice. This is plant go five guys. The refs are like, and this is at the garden. Yeah, that's why you went. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. It was mayhem. Yeah. And I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> I need to fucking be the fucking Nescat kid next to me. We're like, oh, fuck, you guys are fucking boxing lessons. Holy shit. But it was like, it was like. <laughs> Dude, that must have been uh, I go down there and they're the boy. They're like, yeah, these are like, it's like 90% Canadian. So you're learning a different culture oh, yeah, over there. Right. Um, and I'm down there and there's the jerseys are torched. Like they can't, they can't even wear, they're pulling out replacement jerseys and there's blood everywhere. I'm like, totally fuck. Yeah. Wow. Dude. It was, it was mind blowing. So yeah, that went, you know, they went, they went defunct. I think like the next season after that, yeah. they just, you know, the expansion went to another. Yeah location but it was a very good learning experience and toughened you up i would have shit my pants dude yeah it's i, I would have probably just been like nope <laughs> yeah, i'm all set oh that's the thing like if it's like the unwritten rule if you go out there and someone it's a lot of hockey rules i mean you grew up 
playing hockey. So it's yeah, kind of so, like, yeah, you already kind of were ready. I understand. Yeah, I understand. But it's yeah, not really, it's not, yeah, it's not really the, right. the norm growing right. up playing lacrosse until you play box, really. Yeah. And that's why I think it was, it's tough. I mean, that's part of the, the growing up in Canada. Like, yeah. you just drop them and go and you forget about it. Yeah. Probably some more people could, could learn from that. We should do that. To be bank. We should do that in Stella. All that, like, they're all, they're all either like oil field. Yeah. Come from like oil field lineage, right. fishermen. Yeah, they're all like they all have Halifax, like engine blocks, yeah. hands. I think we should just show up on Southwest Corner in the morning. All the boats just go bow to bow. We all just beat the living Duke shit out, out of Duke each other. Duke it out for the spot. And whoever's like the, the 10 boats that are left are allowed to fish the bank. Oh, I like that. God. I like that. I remember I, I chipped off the helmet in a pregame practice of uh, the enforcer on the team. He likes me, but I saw the fear of fucking God in my, in my own eyes. <laughs> When I accidentally took his helmet off playing in like, the, it's like, dude, I'm on the fucking, I'm on the bench. Like I got to do something, but right. I maybe should have picked a different person to, oh. you know, check into the boards. And he looked at me and he was like, <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I'm all good. I'm all, <laughs> yep. Got it. Got it. I'm going to just check the balls. <laughs> Oh, but he fucking six six five and like just rangy and it was just no chance in hell I would even get a shot. Yeah, no. So. You're just sitting there holding your head. Yeah, it was like oh, God. Mm-hmm. that is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What was your uh, what was your specialty? This episode is brought to you by Rodan Marine Systems. Technology in the marine industry seems to be improving at an exponential rate from year to year, and Rodan Marine is at the forefront of the GPS anchor and trolling motor industry. We've been running a Rodan GPS anchor on our 30-foot center console for a few seasons now, and it's been a game changer. With quick deployment and the simple push of a button, you can anchor down on a spot and stay within a few feet of your target location without having to deal with a traditional anchor 20 plus feet of heavy chain, 400 feet of anchor line, obviously depending on how your setup is, but it's just very, very convenient and accurate. The fishing applications for using a Rodan are really endless. We find it extremely useful for both our inshore striped bass fishing as well as our offshore tuna fishing. And the customer service and support at Rodan is amazing. They offer overnight shipping on parts and are available to troubleshoot any issues that you might have. We've put close to a 1,000 hours on our motor and have had next to no issues. Any problems or questions that we've had, the team at Rodan responded quickly and has had parts to us the next day. If you're interested in taking the next step on improving your boat's anchoring system and giving yourself an advantage when it comes to fishing, make sure you check out Rodan Marine Systems' line of GPS anchors. Visit rodanmarine.com to check them out. So for me, I was, you know, I was lucky because nobody, the position I had was just like, it's not really the most sexual fucking position to, to have on the lacrosse team. So, but the, the good thing was that there was always frequent openings because it was kind of a tough position to play. And that was, you know, D midi. So you're frequently getting roasted. You just had to get over the fact that, it's gonna each, happen. each game yeah. you were going to give up goals, but how right. many? And that was the name of the game. Then it was possessions. Like the guys were so good at possessing the ball. So one, of the, I, I picked up ground balls. That was like the, probably the biggest thing I brought to the table and gave me an opening to make a roster spot was 
because those possessions are so important and there's so few of them, so few change of possessions to be able to get that ball to the best player on the team was valued skill. I mean, it wasn't something you wanted to do all the time. I mean, you put on a ton of miles, but it was, it was valued and it was allowed me an opportunity to play right away. I will say playing, we both play lacrosse pretty much. I played all the way through college. Yeah, Taylor you played, played a bunch Taylor too. Played, halfway through college, Taylor played half, and then you stopped and like I'm done. Box camps, <laughs> like it was, it was a huge part of our life growing yeah. up. I will say the Stoke factor, in my opinion, on a big defensive play versus like a goal, even like a critical goal, OT, whatever. I feel like it was always like that much more charged yeah. up. Yeah, it's you know? weird because it can be overlooked, but it's totally. like. But when, but when people the notice mo- it. One of the most important things 100%. on the field. There's a highlight of you playing for the Cannons where you do like every coach in like high school and or college probably would have fucking screamed at you. Yep, that but happened. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> but you pulled it off so smooth, get the ball, possession, whatever. I've watched it probably like 30, 40 times. Oh, geez. This sounds personal, It can't go to like... Sp- it sounds not many of these out <laughs> no, there. Trust me. Usually the highlight reels are me getting fucking scored. No, I ankles broken. But <laughs> every once in a while, you were able to connect on one. <laughs> I'll get the I'll probably get the dodge wrong, but like the kid like splits from like I know right to left or something, and you like open you were like opened up to like basically give him the lane to the middle, and he fucking overhead checks him like a rever- like not an ice pick but with the head of his stick, yeah, and completely freaking smokes this kid like like he just the kid's basically standing there with like nothing in his hands, standing still and small. He's like already up the field. It's yeah. pretty awesome. That's cool. I, yeah, yeah, I know that one in that. That particular pl- so small. He's like that happened once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I fucking know exactly what you're talking about. It's a very small sample size. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you had to get good at getting roasted. But every once in a while, you had like the opportunity to make a play, and yeah. you know the cool. Yeah, if you make a defensive play, like that ball is going to go another eighty yards, and you're the only one doing it. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, they encourage transition. They definitely did not encourage that fucking check to give the guy the middle of the field yeah. one of their best goal scorers but he had talked a lot of shit yeah he had been talking a lot of shit <laughs> and personal. we went in and there's only so much talk you know back talk you can give him and i was like fuck this dude i was like yeah. it was one of my last few games and i knew yeah. that the kid was fucking fast and he could he had broken my ankles for sure a few times and i was like fuck it, I'm gonna who, get- who is it you know yeah, yeah drew snyder drew so snyder. he's uh yeah, drew if you're listening drew yeah, uh, uh, you know, go he yourself, got the best Drew. of you there. Listen, yeah, Drew handled it like a champ on social media when that one went around. Really? He did. He still doesn't talk to me, <laughs> even though I commented on all of it. Uh, but yeah, that was a good one to to have landed because, yeah, there's so many times where my coach is like, you fucking can't do that. Yeah. You absolutely can't do that. And, you know, everyone's habits are hard to Yeah, once you get to that level, there's definitely got to be do's and don'ts of checks and yeah. Th- it's, How risky you can be, right? It's situational, and maybe I didn't play it right, but yeah, I had to give him the middle of the field to eventually, yeah, make the play. But yeah, he gave it's it to me. He, he was he's, he's shorter, so you can get away with that. I just had a lot of time playing against that. Wait, he's shorter. Player. Yeah, he was so shorter. He was like, Dude, his elbow. If you if the listeners I watch think I've this, seen you it. Too, it's it. like a, his elbow coming over his head. Like I'm talking is like. <laughs> less than like a half an inch off the top of his helmet making the check. Like it's like, it's so smooth and clean. It's nasty. Yeah. Yeah, It's nasty. 
Brian's getting a little Sorry. excited. In the the hey, I miss I miss I miss the lax a little bit. Yeah. I do too. I you know I wish I could play the men's league without fucking you know you can't turn it off. Like right. There's one there's one thing I found out about myself. There's one speed, and I was either gonna fucking kill myself trying to keep playing, or I was gonna do it in men's league trying to fight some guy because he cross checked me or whatever. It's yeah. like at some point you you gotta. Hang them up. Balance it. I love coaching, though. I want to get back into that at some point. That's who fun. do you? What, who or what did you coach for? I coached Cumberland High School for a while when I was playing, yeah. and again, same thing. It's tough to half-ass coach, and it's three hours a day, peak season, and you know, it's tough. seasons during your work season. Yeah, you know, you can't. So I, I did some private lessons and stuff, but I would love to get back to just being like a volunteer, part-time local high school. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so much more popular now that. Likewise, I used to love like <clears throat> at maritime and off season summer in between fishing. We'd coach camps and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, you know it was a good it was a good gig. You know, filling in the summer jobs and stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's people that have good buddies that are you know full time. You know, making good money working for lacrosse education or sports education companies. I mean, that's become a a big thing now. Just so. the amount of companies that have picked up on the gear and stuff. Like there was. STX, Brine, and it. Warrior when yeah. we started playing. That was it. That was. Really. You know, some hockey companies had like a couple products here, and now there's like now every a hockey company is involved. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, lacrosse is fun. Yeah. Good time. Um, back to fishing. <laughs> mm-hmm. We paused this episode for a quick announcement for one of our good friends um, and fellow charter captains, Jesse Martello. Uh, Jesse's son, Jesse Jr. Uh, was recently diagnosed with an aggressive form of leukemia called T-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And while the outlook for Jesse is optimistic, the battle is just beginning. Um, The doctor's initial prognosis indicates that Jesse Jr. is in for a fight that could last three years with chemotherapy and many hospital visits during what should be the prime years of his youth. And, um, Jesse's an avid fisherman. He mates regularly for his dad um, and their charter business, Think Big Charters, aboard their, aboard their boat, Necessary Expense. They fish from Connecticut um, to the Northeast Canyons. Uh, they tuna fish. They're, they're a part of um, our community, and, and they're great people. Um, Jesse Jr. also enjoys playing soccer, basketball, lacrosse. He races go-karts. Um, he skis, he snowmobiles. It's it's really sad that he has to deal with this um, at this point in his life. But we're here to support Jesse, and we're hoping that um, you all can take a moment and and help support him as well. Uh, right now, Jesse's family faces uncertainty with medical costs and other financial burdens associated with treating this disease. And to help ease the burden, there's been a website that's been set up to help facilitate fundraising efforts and help aid Jesse Jr.'s family and the entire Martello family with expenses that they're going to face during this battle. So if you take a moment and visit thinkbigjesse.com, that's thinkbigjesse.com, starting on February 15th, there's going to be a series of raffles and auctions for some some really great um, items and some charters, um, pen and real easy custom rods. They're donating reels, rods, There's many other sponsors and supporters on there, um, many of which have sponsored and supported the podcast as well. 
And um, we just hope you take a moment to to go on the website and support and support a great cause for a great kid. So again, visit thinkbigjesse.com and uh, and feel free to donate and participate in any of the the raffles and the um, the silent auctions. So we have a lot of uh, commonalities, I think, between our families, both being fishing families and stuff. Yep. I mean, I obviously know our story, but how did you and your family get to be at the Canyon fishing, giant bluefin, heavily focused in offshore? Kind of give us like the reader's digest of young Matt to now. Yeah, I think uh, it goes back to like, you know, you learn from your dad and I I loved going with him. You know, he was back then, he was the guy waking us up to do like we had great, we do have a great striped bass fishery in Rhode Island. And what we did typically was, you know, drift deals at night or yep. chunk them up behind the Southwest ledge. And he was really into it. And I noticed and I, he got me into it, but I noticed that he had less, I wasn't less drive to go, but it was harder for him to get away to go. And it ended by becoming a little bit more stress to go. He loved offshore fishing. You know, we got into that through a guy that caught him in the eighties off of Rhode Island hmm. and off the Cape. And he did the whole thing. So we learned the, a very, he taught us a bunch of stuff, but it wasn't anything like it is now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so we introduced us, you know, my first bluefin was off, you know, within sight of block Island it was like a 20 pounder. And I just remember being so fucking juiced, just so pumped. Remember the thing hit the prop, saw the prop take a chunk <laughs> out of it. You know, just pulling. We had senators with yeah. roller guy the tips that he redid. Yeah. And I remember like a few trips, we got into like, you know, albacore out there and catching like 15 of them at like, you know, nine, 10 years old with these rods. And it's it's come so far. But, you know, yeah, short answer, my dad got us into it. And Danny always loved, you know, being out there on the boats, but- you know, you get to like 14. So I'm, I'm like 10, he's 14. He doesn't want to do what dad does. So yeah. he started, you know, college work. He got into the work, you know, grind earlier than I did, but yeah, eventually probably his early twenties, he's started, you know, running a boat and, but it was mostly just, you know, fucking around and drinking and stuff, but he started getting into fishing, like hardcore, probably like 22, 23, 24. And, but yeah, you just didn't want to do it we didn't really get together as a group and do it until probably like his mid twenties. So I'm like late teens and that's, yeah, that's late in the game for. It's kind of, I mean, kind of similar, sort honestly. of similar to us. Yeah. Cause he I can was, imagine Taylor, like, you know, you, yeah. When you get to that age of a teenager, you're just distracted with certain right. shit and you don't, you don't have enough success fishing right. to pull you in to get you in like, I have buddies that are like, Oh, I wish my kid was more into it. It's like, dude, he's a fucking he's a teenager. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's like there two was a phase, things. There was a phase. Brian definitely wasn't into fishing nearly like I was. Yeah. But then definitely. once, I think once my dad got a lot more serious, especially when we started getting into, you know, the shark and tuna game, it kind of like, yep. I think it reignited Brian and Brian yeah. came back. Like he went to the same thing you guys did, which, which sounds like your yeah. old brother where he, ventured off from what dad's doing and i was still doing what dad's doing mm-hmm. during the beginning part of the charter not even really the charter thing it was probably be- be- a little before that it's like right when mass bay guides started started yeah, yeah. so what's that 99 so yeah Jeez. 22 same, years ago same exact thing though i was the i was definitely the dan 
Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Sure. Yeah, and, and now he's equally obsessed, possibly more obsessed than I am at this point. You come around to it, but it's also how do you how do you coexist with like three guys on a boat that right. you know and. Even even if you're ten or fourteen, you're with your brother and your dad. You're gonna fucking argue, and like eventually yeah. you get to a point where you don't want to argue, and then the time passes and that phases out, and now you actually like each other. I tell everybody all the time. <laughs> my brother and I, my brother didn't look at me as like, oh, you're not too fucking bad until like I was like sixteen. Yeah, I was like, oh, thank you. That's like, <laughs> buddy, big of you. <laughs> like always had my back, would always help me for anything, but it was the tough love older brother totally. until we got to like that. All right. You know, you're a human and I like watching your games. So we're going to, we'll, we'll, I suppose we'll hang out on the boat now. Sharing right. a few epic moments together as you get older helps with that a little bit. Of you know, course. be it a big fish, a big game, uh, whatever, yeah. you know. And then, you know, it's just, it takes, it takes a while to figure out what I found was, you know, my focus was, yeah, sports, all this other stuff. So I lost the, the opportunity to learn a lot of like hands-on shit that goes into making the whole picture happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not funding the venture of our family boat, but you know, you can do other stuff to offset the pain in the ass shit. The guy with the, the guy with the cash or the guy with the knowledge and know how knows how to do. And it's a long process to change what they think you're good at. And yeah. that's what I found was, you know, dude, we've had honest talks about like, all right, those phases are done. Those distractions are gone. You know, this is a focal point. I want to take it seriously, but it took like literally till it was like fucking 30 ish to, uh, for us to look at each other. We're like, we're both not going anywhere. We're both going to have a fun time out here, but there's a Sounds few fucking, familiar. <laughs> there's a few fucking details we need to get worked out. Yeah. Right, Dan, but um, <laughs> no, there's no, there's no better person that I'd want to fish with. And, right. But you do have to work that shit out. Like, you have to. You do, or else you just, like, there's no person on earth that you'd want to hug and choke at the same fucking time. Yeah. That you, you know, your family, dude, you're not going anywhere. I'm right. not going anywhere. So we got to figure this shit out. And you, if your dad's anything like mine, my dad's like, listen, you fucking, you idiots figure it out. Yeah. Like, you know, but eventually, you know, you, sounds more like a, a brotherly thing for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, we, we, not the not the the father's son. No, no, no. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, meaning like, meaning like, meaning like. Uh, what do you mean? So you mean like? Uh, so you you sound like you're you're you want to hug and choke your brother. Oh yeah. Or is it your brother and your dad? No, no, no. Old man, my dad is. You know, he if he comes out three or four times a year. Yeah. It's you know it'll be all about him. You know, we always invite him. Yeah. He's a boat <clears throat> guy. Like he grew up sailing but also hated sailing loved fishing he loves fishing but what we found out is that we're gonna treat it like a charter we're gonna treat it like a charter <laughs> yeah and this is uh, you know he's getting people bringing him like food but he's like sunk in yeah. the bean bag i'm like holy shit like this is not normally how we do it but you know he's at the end of the day you know we don't have that opportunity to go unless you know he's around and yeah, yeah. so yeah, although we'd love to get it. So he's getting more hands-on with a lot of this stuff, but... This is funny. I know, dude. <laughs> but it's like, he hops on, it's autopilot. It's like, you know, it's it's yeah. it runs the boat hard, and then you see Dan starting to like, oh, I fucking got it. It's not the fucking RPMs. You're supposed to fucking do it, And I'm over there back, like, acting like I'm 12 again, into trash, like, you know, fucking, like, just trying to occupy my... I just stay out I'm there. I want to put this big mustache in the water while you guys deal yeah, with that. No, <laughs> so... That's always a work in progress because um, they work together too every single day. 
Yeah. So, but it's been awesome the past like three, four years when you get the boat to where you want it to be. Right. You know what works. You've registered enough success to, all right, this is, we can talk more game plan now, not why are we doing this? Yeah, like yeah. you've already seen right. enough. You're strategizing. You've all proved each other. Prove yourselves. Yeah. And he's gotten, you know, you know, yeah. So to be honest, yeah, the dynamic on the boat is mostly my brother and I, but you know, I have to, for a long time, a lot of the maintenance that requires being taught or learning or having a natural, you know, engineering mind, like he's got that. Like my brother's got that. Yeah. If I have it, I'd love for it to surface at some point, but, <laughs> but we already, we already covered the, the schooling background, but I found as I've gotten more, you know, hands-on the past few years, like you run the boat yourself, you yeah. have to solve shit yourself. There's nobody else out there. That's it. And you've, it fished, you've fished with, you know, enough yeah. other people where you've probably been able to bring a lot of that into yeah, the table too. Absolutely. So when I got, so we met Tommy and Tommy covered that. We met that, we met him down in, uh, Outer Banks. Yeah, I want to say it was like 2010 or something, 11, maybe 12, 2012. And we're up in the bridge. It's like de Blasio. And my dad's like talking fucking de Blasio's ear off. And I'm like, who's this quiet kid that's not a redneck down here? And we started talking and he's, we went to Fairfield and yeah. I was like, oh, no shit. So he was friendly. They shared a bunch of info and, you know, learned a couple things that we should be doing up north. And that's how we started hanging out with Tom. And I think it was that very spring I started working with Damon and, you know, ton of credit to that program. And there's not many boats that go out, do every single species with the type of technicality that he likes to fish. So yeah, David, Damon travels too. I mean, yeah. Oh, he's in, in, I, Oh, literally our boat, no big eyes up until, you know, after that year of learning a few things. Yeah. That changed that absolutely fast track. He's a fishy dude. Oh, I mean, yeah. Incredibly fishy dude. And has a program that works. It's nothing crazy complicated, but he's learned how to do it his way with the, you know, one of the first guys that traditionally fishes teasers all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like the first time I got, I'm like, what the fuck are these things? Yeah, why don't they have hooks in them? Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. wait. wait I'm they, not putting they, that in. They don't have they hooks don't catch in fish? them? I'm not putting that in the water. <laughs> this know. would look much better with a 12 o muscle. Yeah. Right in the back of that thing. So there's no question that was when I got the call to go, you know, Hey, Maddie, I love doing my fucking. You do a good Damon. Yeah, I know. I don't fucking tell him though. I'm sure he's gonna find out. So, Maddie, you know, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and you know, you're gonna learn a lot. You'll be able to take a bunch back with you, and you know, it's part of the program. You talk to Johnny. Talk to Johnny. He'll tell you. So I go talk to John, right? Because because some people are like, oh, you know, we might be hard on you. I'm like, oh, well, what's like Johnny? I mean, Galvin, tell me what what's a hard captain on a mate? And he's like. I don't know. He's like, you've been yelled at by fucking coaches? And I'm like, yeah, still currently. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not even playing anymore. Just this morning, you should have seen the email exchange. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah. He's like, will that bother you? I'm like, no. And uh, everything was fine since. It took a while to figure out, because speaking of OCD, I mean, he's, that's, in my opinion, is what makes you good because it's, you, know, you can't catch fish when your boat's fucking mess and you don't have a coherent game plan. So what was the hardest thing for me was how to manage, you know, to know what Damon liked and that's with any captain. So if there's any mates out there, are you trying to go work on a boat? Like 
You're fucking. It's a service job, first of all. Yeah, it's you're a not. It's you're, a not you're not. You're a glorified waiter. Yeah. That's all. And, yeah. and frankly, I think that's the biggest. Any any kid about to get a job should work in a fucking restaurant, and if they do decent at that and happen to like that lifestyle, come great, on down to the cockpit. Great yeah. at being. Why a don't you come down and be at, be on the boat? Yep. Because it's like, how willing are you to do the most undesirable task before the other guy? And that's why it was so cool, like fishing with Billy, Eddie Sakala. You know, I never fished with Tyler out there. Slick Tommy, like I mean, all the same types of guys that, you know, they'll stay up later than you. And they'll do the they'll do the trash they'll do the whatever and then the fishing is like the last part that comes together. But I had to get comfortable learning how to manage Damon's temperament as far as his expectations and what he liked, what set him off, and eh, right. we we covered that. I think we that's covered that. <laughs> that. We covered that a little bit. Um, and when he yelled at you, it was nothing but like. I got fucking laugh like when we're on a battle with the fish for a little bit. I just like getting heckled the whole time, and I'm like. <clears throat> <laughs> fucking, they fucking yelled at you, dude. Oh my God, did you fucking hear that? And, but the cool part about it was like right after good, bad, and different, you know, he's talking to you like, you know, on the level after. Yeah. Like, hey, Maddie, you got to smoke? Yeah. And so I would sit there and just talk about it. Like, it didn't even happen. And I, I'm cool with that because I like people that have a pulse out there. And the one thing I figured out is he's super competitive. He likes to do well, he likes to perform. And, I'd fuck, dude, I can't knock that. I want to be around that. Absolutely. So he taught us a ton, it. for sure. A lot of moving. A lot of moving like, around. Yeah. I feel like every... I mean, we have moments like that all the time. Yeah. Probably, probably to even more of an extreme level at times, I would say. Not you and I, but... You, I had a few moments with... More uh, dad and I. It's more dad and I. Oh, so you, have, yeah, you have a little dynamic where you butt heads with your old man? So it's a little different because... You know, OG is still the fearless leader and like our the family business is the charter yeah. business. So it's like it's almost like he's the oldest sibling at times. I kind feel of, like. Yeah. Um, he's he's not he's not uh, you don't have to serve him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of. A, how do we explain? How do we explain? This? Participate a good amount. He does. Offers input. He does. We call it upper, man we call it upper management on our boat. Too much. He's, I think he's the perfect balance, honestly. He lets us do what we do. He does not like... It, the only time he touches a rod is if like Taylor and I are both busy. Yeah. And then a fish bites, like he'll do what he needs to do. And he's usually pretty flawless at it, but... He focuses on, on his job. He focuses control, on the spot. Try to control the other like, items. You know, his surroundings, really. Yeah. You know, um, that's why he's up on the roof all the time. Right. I see a lot of pics of him up there getting some Z's and hanging out. Now, I'm sure, yeah, he'll run the boat. That's he changed, kind of fills the gaps for That's a changed bit. a lot. Like, over the last 15 years, he's he's morphed from trying to do both. He kind of had to be a captain and a mate. Yeah. But now that we're running and, and working boats, it's definitely... he. Print, I mean, I don't think he tied a, a knot on a rod no. last year. Not at all. You know, like he focuses on the boat, yeah. the safety, the mechanical stuff. That's all always in the back of his head. This episode is also brought to you by LT Marine Products. Since 2011, LT Marine has been designing and developing innovative, unique, and high-quality American-made sport fishing equipment. Taylor and I have known the crew at LT since they started. Chris is a great guy. Uh, we've been using every single piece of equipment uh, 
um, that he's that he's made over the last several years. Um, his rod holders are extremely heavy duty and high quality. He has the machining equipment to be able to put your boat name on the face plates um, and do other custom work as well, which is pretty cool. Um, and recently, over the last couple of years, we've worked with him to develop some new products that have actually been very popular amongst the the northeast um, northeast fishermen, specifically offshore and uh, and tuna fishermen. So, two of those products have been his uh, his swim hook for if you're harvesting a big big giant tuna. Um, you know, you want to take care of that fish as, as best you can prior to bringing him on board. And part of that process is after the fight, swimming the fish, you know, for a certain amount of time, kind of depending on the health of the fish and, and how the fight went, but usually ends up being around an hour to get all the lactic acid out of the muscles and, and give a, a better product at the end of the day when we, when we sell our, when we sell our fish. So, we helped him design a, an affordable swim hook to be able to tow the fish behind the boat at a low speed <clears throat> and and accomplish that goal. So um, that was a pretty cool product that we that we collaborated on. And another one is uh, the new LT Marine uh, release hook. We've been doing a lot of release fishing for giants uh, over the last couple of years with the way that the quota, the quota has been open and closed. So we've really had a need for a way to properly revive these fish and get them back into, uh, into good health upon release. So um, if you go on the LT Marine website, you can see the release hook there. Uh, you can also go on our Instagram and Facebook and see how we have it rigged, but it's a it's a tool that we've implemented um, into our our process aboard our boats, and and it um, it makes releasing fish a lot safer for the crew, a lot better for the fish, and um, it's a really high quality product. Um, we used it all season, never had a problem, never broke it. So definitely check out that new that new release hook. Um, from LT, um, or if you want to see any of Chris's products, visit ltmarineproducts.com. Please make sure you use the promo code CBROS for 10% off your next order. And you have to split have that to responsibility like that. up because you can't do too much. That's what I figured out. Like, dude, you play in a team sport. Like, if you want to get back and forth safely, first of all, like, that's probably the difference that would my brother taught me was, yeah, I, I love the end game. I love the, that side of it was like the first love. And then you develop appreciation of how you fucking got there. Right. And like how fast you got there and who, like who paid for that. And then just how much, you know, how the oil changes, the, <laughs> yeah. the maintenance, the, yep. all the other stuff that I've been lucky to get more intimate with over the past few years. But it's only when you have like, you know, one, the experience to go and then the time to devote to it. So, if you're diluted with a bunch of different hobbies or it's tough to get like, it's like, you know, family, family work boat. Yeah. If you want it to go well and right. if you want it to go smooth, because, you know, I know it was important for him to see the effort for me to be down there before him to get all the shit checked out and to help with the changes and the fluids and anything else. And to see that focus there kind of eased up the, all right, 
Yeah. You know, we're, yeah you focus out. on that. I'll focus on this. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we've gotten good at, you know, opening up more communication and being like, all right, you know, wh- what do you think about this over here? Communication is key. Yep. Yep. And, and mo- that, that's the most, aside from cool. being OCD, well, you have to be OCD about communication. But aside from that, I feel like that's like the one. That's what makes you argue. If you don't know who's doing what. Yeah. You just be like, oh, what the fuck? It's like, yeah. and before you know, or I was going to do, do it that way. Yep. Yep. It was funny. Like I had one of my, one of my teammates from the cannon uh, join me like this past summer and he hadn't been, he hadn't been giant fishing. And he was like, cause when you bring charters out there too, you know, you guys know this better than anybody. Like you want to talk to them like they're a fucking human, right. but also you don't know what you're doing. So allow me to tell you right. exactly how I'm doing it clearly. So you get good at just like communicating like you would on a field or on the ice or whatever. And my buddy goes, did you think that like your skills from here or whatever you, you, your experience here would carry? I didn't really think of that. And I was like, cause you don't, you set things off on edge when you act like you're fucking something, someone else is fucking something up and they're paying you for the day to be there. It's like, I really got to go out of my way to fucking know what I'm going to say beforehand. Right. Even yep. though I'm talking you gibberish. You 100% have to think before you speak. Yeah. You're like, please do not touch that rubber band. That rubber band is very important. Let go of the fucking rubber band. <laughs> That's a rubber band. Fucking. And yeah. And they'll sit there and they flick it. Yeah. Or What's they... this do? What's this do? Yeah. It's like the perfect harmony of. Where's the drag? Educating people and being really good at sarcastic jokes. Yeah. The passive aggressive. I mean, that's got to be exhausting for you guys to. I love it though. I, I you meet, do we meet new honestly, people? I think the thing I like about charter fishing the most is I get to, you know. <clears throat> in a different way every day show people exactly what I'm completely obsessed with. Yeah. And you have to navigate that communication and that approach to people differently every yeah. single day. So it's not the same over right. and over. Yep. Um, and it brings anybody down to your level to, well, not your level expertise, but you're down to where, what you're doing for the day. It's yeah. like, they could be some crazy lawyer or Doctor. some billion dollar business. But at the end of the day, they're, you're treating them like, you know, yeah, I know Zajac touched on that yeah. a little bit. Like the le- the playing field is level, so right. yeah. you could be a degenerate below, degenerate mate. It's below with, you, yeah. too. That's the other thing. Yeah. yeah, and you're yeah, you are in that instance the you know for the most part middle management. We like to call it upper upper <laughs> right. management, upper, upper middle management. management, and then fucking <laughs> deckhand or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, to get a guy that's a CEO of something like enamored with the process and say you had early, you had an early bite and it's, it's cool to watch someone like that act like a kid. Oh yeah. And yeah. that excitement, there'll be nothing that replaces like no. hooking up, getting someone tight on a fish that you've wanted to get a fish for, for a long time is like the coolest feeling to be able to do that every day. has got to be sick. Though. It is cool. I mean, it's there's awesome. this heartbreaking moments in this times that it's uh draining, you know, when you, you, you can't connect the dots, but, Usually the good outweigh way outweighs the bad. And you gotta have you know? customers now that are guys, don't worry, we'll see you in four weeks. Like hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And it's it those is. customers that eventually get to this streak of like, oh, they're on the boat, we're gonna get one today. Yeah. Diego you know? has gone uh f- just for an example, he's done like twenty eight charters and he has like forty something tunas with us. We we've only had one skunk day with him. Out of twenty eight trips. One skunk. And then you get someone like Justin, who we've mentioned before in this podcast. He's gone like 10 trips and he's gotten two bites, I think. Two fish. Yeah. That's 
Why? It always happens. I remember, <laughs> you know, I did a fraction of the amount of charters you guys do, but yeah. like, I remember being like, oh my fucking God, like this guy's coming again. Are we going to like, where are we going, Damon? I'm like, this temp is, <laughs> temp is up. I'm like, Dude, that oh. pressure is, you cannot And he's sitting replicate there it. and like, you know, I remember him, he's like a big sailor and he's yeah. sitting there all proper and like just very rigid. And I remember he likes smoking cigarettes. I'm like, yeah, man, we should have, you know, have one and yeah. please don't like lace mad it, at me today. I, I don't feel it today at all. Yeah, I really hope... <laughs> I really hope we're going to get something. Yeah. The customers are cool. And then you end up by, you know, you find out these guys have real important jobs and eventually down the line, you're probably going to use them as a resource. And it's a real networking it is. ability. It's 100%. for sure. We were talking about that before we even started this. It's like, I have clients that are doing electrical work, plumbing on the house. You know, you have guys, you know, job references, whatever else. Like the the relationship building alone is, is pretty yeah. incredible. Yep. yep. You know? No, that's the truth of it. Um, Let's get into his season. Yeah, I'm dying so, to hear. This is my this is my favorite part, the technical yes. part. So you guys have been putting all of what we've said together. I know we've gone off on a lot of tangents. Mm. It's been awesome, a lot of laughs. But you guys clearly flow as a family. You, Dan, when your dad's on the mm. boat, you know, you guys produce. Mm. Um, the last, I want to say, three four years, you've from our perspective, seen a significant uptick in big giant bluefins down mm. in your neck of the woods. Yep. Take us through that. Trying so, to give us like the summary of what's going on and yeah. then what your typical trip looks like. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, go, probably going back to like 2018 was, I remember being down at ICAST and, you know, talking about trade shows earlier, like, you know, humping stuff around and then I get a, Mark's like Mark Takabe is on the on his phone. And he's down there for Penn, you know, helping out with us. And he's like, "Dude, it's going off right near you right now." I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" And you know, there's always been prospecting before. Um, the fish were probably there beforehand, but this is the Cox's ledge bite, and it went on for a couple of weeks. Bunch of local boats were able to get some fish, and you know, there's certain groups of guys that would probably be normally be fishing up near you on the bank or the bay. Right. You know, we typically always migrated up to the bay, you know, partly it was just, I knew some, I had some confidence just from fishing with Damon in the bay and Stell wagon is what, like another 19 miles or so. Yeah. yeah and I'm sure your bait, you feel confident because you're able to get bait and bring yeah. it there. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, no doubt. And so I remember Danny went out with a few guys. I think Slick and Tommy were there, lost a couple of fish got a fish, Jackson got a double, you know, Midnight Rambler got two or three fish in that chunk of time. And, you know, by the time I got back and I'm driving a fucking trailer back, like literally all through the night going through like Florida, <laughs> Virginia beach. And I'm like, I get back to the U-Haul place, which isn't far from here. We ended up by going out like it was two weeks after the bite. And, you know, I took two buddies from college and it just happened. One of those trips, it just happened to work out. It was like a night bite. We went to where it looked good. We got out there at night and like, you know, 3 a.m., you know, just the only boat out there, you know, got a fish, you know, it was a nice fish, 106. And I'm like, after it was, it was sick, but you process it. You're like, dude, there was so much bait there. Why, why did people stop fishing this? So that kind of just, at least for us, it started, you know, a lot of people, you know, the bites down near us or we don't have this is just my theory and speculation. Mm. We don't have the structure. We love theory and speculation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> specialties. <laughs> we we have whales. We don't have 
you know, the sharp banks with Max right. and Herring stacked up, we have whales. So, you know, the early part of the year, if you're trying to find them by, you know, whenever it opens in June, you know, you're whales. prospecting the, you know, they come up somewhere near Montauk to the Hudson Canyon and sometimes further east. But a lot of times you can stumble on them migrating up, but they typically, they settle in somewhere in June on sand eels for the most part. And sand eels are tough because they're good and bad because they're plentiful and the whales aren't going to wipe them out in just like a couple of weeks. But the good side is, you know, you put a bluefish or a bait out that's legit next to that. It's usually, you can get a lot of, yeah, you can get those bites. But the tough thing we deal with is, you know, the different the non-commercial fleet or the fleet that's targeting the smaller fish because they're frequently mixed. And I hadn't seen really that before. It's like, you know, you get your giants by going where giants live. You go up to Cape Cod, you go to the bank and it's, you know, these fish are, you know, 200 at the smallest to, you know, over a thousand. And it was unique to see that mixed in. And that's, I think, because of the whale life. Hmm. And it was tricky because you're not anchoring, you're fishing, you're, you're, Basic bait is bluefish or whatever else you can get. They obviously love bluefish down near us. I know they love them, up, you know, up in like wood end in the fall. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's tough, tough kill rate fishing big blues. And when you're starting to get like these oceanic, it, it looks ridiculous. It looks you're like no fucking way. Yeah, that, no that they're gonna eat way. it. You're gonna get a thirteen going, pound bluefish. There's two guys like wrangling. <laughs> it's like handling someone with a seizure. It's like you're trying to. Fucking that is the best analogy. You're trying to get a fucking hook in this thing, and it's like yeah. freak. It's like trying oh, to eat oh, you. It's like, trying to eat you all. At the same you're time. sweating. You're like, I had, oh, just get off the boat. I had, get off the boat. I had one this spring. I got a video of it. It was like following my hand around. I'm like, that's fucked up. Like, I was in the live well trying to get it, and he's like, no. It's like like trying to pet Riley over here. <laughs> yeah. And it's that alone in itself is you got to. That's the toughest. Imagine thing. trying to eat that. I. <laughs> Listen, I don't, I don't even know, but they like them. They love them. They love them. The bigger, the better. We ended up by finding out like, you know, when you only have this size bait to fish, you know, whatever, you just got to put it out there and yeah. believe me, like, you know, 700, anything from a 450 to a, an above, like will attempt to eat that 12 pound to 15 pound bluefish. It's just whether you're going to keep a hook in them is an entirely different story, yeah. but yeah, it's um, it's been nobody really knows what's going on. I think it's like a lot of the bay fish that stop short, hmm. and they're like, "This looks good. I'm just going to stay here because it's all the same type of stuff. Yeah. A lot of bunker." We are you are you marking fish? Are you seeing fish, or is it just random roaming bites? So, we started going out like the the bite this past year was in the gully. They settled in the gully, so that's like 180 typically. So it's a big ditch. It goes from like 120 ditch and there was a lot of whale life concentrated right there Mm -hmm. and when the whales are really visible you get a lot of boat traffic so when the bite would start a couple guys would get bites so say if there's like 10 guys giant fishing you know four bites one or two guys get a fish it's not terrible it's not great it's not terrible but you know that they're there it's pretty good for the bag steady (laughs) steady pick odds i would say yeah yeah and you know nobody's doing there's no everybody's feeling it out because nobody like oh shit! Like why don't why don't we anchor here? It just takes such a long time to get confidence with what's happening. So you're trying to cover ground. You're drifting fucking bluefish. You can only do two baits because they're krakens and you can't even manage them. Yeah. 
So you're looking at like, all right, what am I going to, and there's sharks too. The sharks really start settling in like around August, but you have that time frame in the first like month and a half of the season where, you know, maybe you could get away with fishing a dead bait or another smaller, but you don't have a ton of options by us. Like we have a lot of ground fish. Mackerel started really showing up and the squid started really getting thick. I mean, it's always, you know, by mid-May, the beaches are loaded. Yeah. But I think that might've been a little bit of the difference is just getting comfortable fishing with what you got. And you could spend all morning trying to troll rigs to get blues and just fish with what you have. Mm-hmm. Hooks in the water, baby. That's it. Yeah. So it was a lot of prospecting, covering ground from the fingers, like, you know, you could go all the way out to the lanes and back and people do it, but they clearly come through and they come through closer than that was me. My question are, are, are they coming through in a certain spot that you can kind of, guarantee you're going to see something happen throughout the day or are you having to travel every day to find them i think it's it's a big networking thing too you know yeah. who's hooming out recently and how bad how badly have you offended them before to, yeah to get them to tell you uh yeah it's like hey what's up can i get you a coffee like what the fuck do you want like yeah, yeah. so Just figuring it, out how it shifted miles yards yep you know how whatever it ends up being that's key yeah, and that's been part of the since like 2018 was like part of and we noticed these fish started off. If you remember like uh tuna fest in early June 2000 and like 13, 14, yeah. 70 pounders, 60 pounders all the way through coxes, probably to browns and yep. back up again. Like You think those 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 fish? I think by 2018 the guys were, you know, big game fishing is a charter boat group right out of Marina. And yeah. We have like two or three boats, Seamus and Brian, mm-hmm. Pete. We know them well. And usually when they get spooled, we're, all right, it's time to yeah. go out there and start looking. So big credit to them because these bites really don't come to fruition unless they're out there pulling Someone bars with a smaller fish. So that's how we hear about it. Smaller fish start showing up. All right, where do they get spooled and when did that happen is usually what you need mm. to find out. And they've been pretty gracious with the information and cause they don't, you know, their money's in the charter and the smaller fish. So right. yeah, you have to go find those smaller fish and then you can start putting in some time out there. Hmm. What would you say like your, um, your bait species percentage has been down there for the last like two or three years, like 50% bluefish, you know, 20% squid. Like how would you like say the bites? Or- yeah. yeah. Again, I you know, bluefish was ideal. You know, one to two pounders, the snapper blues, that's perfect. Mm. Those are manageable baits. And you're not freaking out about how the hook looks in it because you can fish it like Big Mac. Like, right. Yeah. So that's ideal. But, you know, this is where guys get hung up getting – I couldn't get bait. Like, I couldn't get any good blues. Like, I didn't fucking go. And it's like, wait, I've caught – you know, scup ended up, and they're garbage fish, but like scup, like take what you can with dogfish, yeah. put it in there <laughs> yeah, and then figure that shit out later. Yeah. Yeah. DM's not listening here, but like, you know, you want to be able to, you got, you got to put it out there in the water. And if you're sacrificing sunrise because you didn't get your, you didn't get your blue fish, why don't you go fish the three hours while you got the, you know, the, the start of the slack and then the hour after slack and then go make some more bait after. But it depends where you are. It's 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 kind of a toss up. But bluefish are typically the best bait, and then bunker were, you know, hmm. prevalent inshore. We have huge bunker pods that are just pouring out an Narragansett Bay. Envious that, of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I we you know 
I just hadn't seen them off the beach like this. So, the, you know, the, the, the bite migrated. It's a huge area of, of, you know, I'm sure you could go fish coxes at any point. And if you're out there two days a week, you will, you will mark these things rolling through. And it's, it's a nice thing to know, but it's, it's a ton of ground and there's nobody fishing it. It's like mm. how you guys probably decide where you're going to middle or Northwest. It's based on who's fished there. So unless you're stupid or you're willing to go, fuck it, let's just go give it a shot. And we did that a couple of times and it's most of the time it doesn't pay off and you look like an idiot or you just, but at the end of the day, if you like going right. and you like materializing your own bite, because that takes, you know, fishing is like all confidence. Like you have to, there's nothing worse sitting there and like, I'm stroking it. I'm yeah. Stroking it, I'm not catching anything. Right. They won't bite when you have you, that. You have to feel like it's going to happen in any second. Totally. Yeah. And be prepared for that. Yeah. And doing stuff different is tough. So it's a new fishery and people are still figuring it out and you just kind of keep it simple. You yeah. Know? You get a bait in the water and who cares if it's dark and just go out there and make bait, whatever you can and put them in the water. So you're drifting two baits most days. Mm-hmm. Well, that's if, you know, that was like when you have those big blues, yep. you want to be able to fish them clean. And then eventually you get good at throwing in a third based on what the shark situation is. Or, or throwing in like a third non-blue fish bait on the down rod or yeah. something like that. When the Macs show up, I mean, it's, it's, the more I thought about it, it was like, this is like Cape Cod Bay. Yep. You know, you kind of roll the dice. There's a few guys out there that really know what they're doing. Someone's going to see something and they're going to roll through at some random fucking time and you're probably not going to mark them, but the bait's there and you're able to, you know, you're able to get a shot. Yeah. But bait fishing in itself is, you know, if you want to get out there in the dark, squid are always there. Like that's one thing we have a ton of, which if you take squid up to like the bay, I feel like it's like awesome. Great money in the bank. A squid down here, they're like. Like no big deal. The tunas don't care. Yeah, I yeah, didn't. That's weird, huh? Yeah, interesting. Because there's, so, it's also tough to fish squid because you get squidded up so badly. Hmm. So, yeah, you got to fish something that's going to survive out there, and that third rod is typically whatever you got. Yeah, interesting. You want to, you want to get technical? Squids on like the bank. Your, uh, bring up the kraken tunas. Yeah, I know. Almost everyone we've hooked on a squid in the bank has been fucking Huge. enormous. Right, mm-hmm. they love enormous. They yeah. love squid. Yeah, I think that's what brought the bite in closer to the beach. Now, I think we were driving over fish for like two months in the beginning, like the spring and summer. You're, again, it's a new bite. You have no confidence. Right. You're like tuna chicks. I'm like tuna chicks. But like, wait, that's the East Grounds. There's no fucking way. Like, yeah, we're and you know, thirty days of just trying to fish out Trust here, your instinct. dude, and. You know, I had another uh, another guy was it, Robbie Taylor. He's Newport Sport Fishing, yep. and he's a fishy fucking kid. Fishes the to- bay, total fishes pirate the bay a lot too. Total pirate and facial hair. Yes, yeah. he looks like yeah the pirate yeti. We call <laughs> yeah. him. He he's like Matt. Like I know you're going over there, but you know my boy over here, the lobster guys are going out and they're seeing these things follow traps up, and they know what they're looking at. And after hearing that for like a month, he's like Matt. I'm telling you, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go put a fucking bait out. I have two days. I'm going to sit out there. I don't care what's happening. I'm just going to tuna fish like 10 miles off of Jamestown. I'm like, oh, all right, go ahead. But if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be you, dude. So sure as shit, I get a video sent to me. Got him. I'm like, Jamestown bridges in the background. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, I also got a great white, two makeups and a fresher. I'm like, what, dude? And I was like, all right, fuck this. 
So I think we actually did the one or two canyon trips of the year. We get back in, we had a nice sword, a bunch of quality yellows, didn't get the big eyes that we wanted, but we're like, all right, good trip. Feeling good in the service. Yeah. Are you guys fishing off the beach? I heard this guy got a 111 and it's like, fuck, they showed up like right off the beach, four miles from port. And now it's, we have a fishery that's lasted, it lasted about two and a half, three months. It was right off the beach, and the That's guys. Sick. It was. It was surreal. It was like, wait, is this fucking is this happening right now? Yeah, I think it was like the '60s or '70s, like Nebraska Shoal. They're catching tunas out there, but um, yeah. And as we got out there and fished the first couple of days, it was like, dude, this looks like Cape Cod Bay. It's all mud. Mm-hmm. It goes from like shelf from 70 feet to about 105, mm-hmm. and it's all shipping lane traffic that. Nobody's really fishing or, tar- or like there's not a lot of traffic, like lines in the water stuff. Right. Traditionally. But I don't know if these fish just were doing this all day, but it just, as I was doing, I was like, this is Cape Cod Bay. Let's throw a hook. And so a couple awesome. guys started throwing hooks. You could drift, but it's all a matter of how often do you want to like move the fucking boat? Yeah. Real baits. Killing your baits. And how many baits do you have? Yep. <clears throat> yep. That whole, that whole game that old chestnut um <laughs> getting more detailed what's your uh what's your rig look like for bluefish you guys are fishing bluefish a lot there's a lot of uh theories and thoughts on going big and going light and bluefish are one of those baits that, like to your point it's not very easy to get a solid connection to a big fish so what's your approach terminal tackle wise i think uh you know, everybody asks, like, what's your favorite hook? It's like what, the hook that fits the fucking bait. Like, you know, if we're fishing, you know, a bluefish that's under five pounds, you can get away with an 11 knot to a nine knot, I, I feel. Mm-hmm. But it also depends, like, all right, where are you hooking them? We've had, you know, a couple of years where, you know, we just hooked them through the softer meat and like the dorsal and had great landing rates and hookup rates. And then there's been like early in the spring last year where, in the matter of like a week and a half, I was between Jackson's boat and my boat. And then I went without Danny one day with our other guy, Danny, and I lost like seven fish. And <laughs> one of those days That's where I was just worst. like, turn the fucking boat around. We're fucking going, we're fucking going home. And just thought about it hard for a few weeks. And we're just like, you know, what could we be doing differently? And then you start messing with the drag pressure. Oh, the yeah. bite. And the whole chain of events that you know you shouldn't do, you know, stick with the hook that you know works. But, uh, you know, we found that if you have a manageable size blue, you know, you're able to put that hook through and you think it's going to pop out. It also depends on like what you're setting your drag at at that strike. Like, where do you want that drag to be? And is that hook going to set? Like, we just found these fish coming back descaled, like spitting up these huge blue fish. The big ones are a total crapshoot. And we found out that you have to fight them the same way, whether plan on it being gut hooked or hinged up, but either way, you got to put earlier heat on this fish, these shallow water fish to get them to fucking cooperate. I couldn't agree more. And it, I think where I went wrong for a little while there was getting in my own head, but also, you know, giving it too much leeway off the bat. Like you're, you want that hook to leave the bluefish. 
right. hinge up or gut. I don't care. I'm going to fight it either way. Like it's yeah. like it's both because yeah. it's going to go. If it's hinged up, you're great. Right. If it's gut hooked, it's only a matter of time before he chafes off. And, you know, you have to be able to, to get that hook out of the blue, you know, and that was really the biggest thing. But typically, you know, a Mutu, uh, but we weren't the only people dealing with the. They st- I mean, we, we, everyone else in Cape Cod Bay deals with it too. Yeah, because you know, I remember missing I was, bites and kinda, bending the rod, and it kind of comes in like waves. Very too. strange. Like one day everyone loses them, yeah, and then the next day everyone's everyone gets like, them. You can't miss, right? You know, it's it's wild. I th- yeah, and then the temperament of the fish when they first show up is tougher than the fall. The fall. I mean, I don't know if you guys see that too, but they get a l- little more lazy, whatever, a little bit more easier. Of a part. Yes. Like sluttier. Like, you yeah. know, and when they show up, right into pinwood. when they show up, they're like, what's that up? Spit that out. And like, it's like, yeah, huh. you wonder if they're like, they feel something wrong. So they spit it out, you know? Yeah. So, you know, the figuring out your, your drag that, you know, you don't get a ton of opportunities to, to, set the hook on a you know on a fish that's eating a big blue so you just got to stick with it and kind of ride it out with you know more drag i don't think yeah letting it letting lighter drag at for a big blue it just after thinking about it for a while it was like i don't think that's gonna i don't think that's gonna work yeah so yeah like the circle hooks typically for us um nice long clean you know pristine leaders i mean there's in my opinion there's one way to bait fish for giants and you may have difference in your splices, right? You may have difference in this, but you got to get the bite first before you can worry about how much fucking drag you're getting. So, you know, one of the things we do is we, you know, Danny bought some reels a little while ago. We, we needed an upgrade for, for reels and stuff and having different top shots for different scenarios was an important thing to realize. And I remember I listened to you guys one time for, you know, you don't need, 300 yards of mono. No. When you're, yeah, if you are specific with your far floater. Right. And you're specific with this, why why one waste the top shot? I mean, if you get it for free, but, you know, I feel a little more confident in some ways, like having more of that braid out. Even though they say it's like it, it nicks it, it nicks easier, I, I feel like it's stronger. And it's with those surface runs, the diameter, I cuts feel like as another huge. Cuts to the water much better. So less pressure at the hook. Less pressure on your crotch loops on the run. Mm-hmm. You know, it's huge, I think. We didn't have the, we don't have as many lobster pots as maybe as like the bay and the guys dragging around you and pulling nets and fucking dredges and all that other stuff. But uh, it's the diameter. And I thought about it. I was actually, it's the only trip I did the Outer Banks with Steve Fernandez. And I was, you know, you're trolling shoots way back, you know, everybody's doing that. But I noticed he switched to like, braid you know holocore instead of dacron and we still had some dacron we had switched one over to braid you know it's a big expense like you want to do that switch but we started running into giants in the canyons and you already have 600 feet out 700 feet of line out and the fish decides to take another you know thousand like what are you left with and how much drag is that dacron holding so we made that switch and i thought that thought that helped it's uncomfortable to fight on backing like that but mm. yeah you just get used to not using your hand much until the top shot's on you know yeah boat work you know everybody has their own theory on boat work but dude if you have a guy who can fucking drive and get on top of that fish for every inch that you can get for free like 
do it. Like I've seen, I've seen it work differently for different captains. Like, you know, don't worry. It'll come back around. We'll just twist the boat. But if it's scoped out and you can gain by just backing up or twisting the boat, like it's huge. That's some, that's what we would do. Less wear and tear on the gear. You're more in control of the line angle coming off the fish. There's just so many benefits, in my opinion. Yeah, Having that stern station for us. To, oh, like, I'm so envious that of that. Last, that last. Yeah, I should do it. If you uh, ever it is can like, do it, do it. Like, and, and we said, we said to each other before we got into that project, if we get one more fish because of it, we'll be stoked. I would comfortably say we're getting an, another dozen or more a year because of it. Easily. He's yeah. killed. Yes. Too. And I killed because of it. Not even like catch and release. Just those last couple pinwheels and being able to get on him like I, I when remember, he's 30 feet away coming up on the surface on the outside of his pinwheel is I'd, amazing. I'd say we killed six fish easily last year that we probably would have lost just because of the stern station. Being able to chase him down and like get on him to the point we can get a harpoon in while he's still swimming. Yeah, and he takes away that elaborate communication that you have to have. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because Even 20 feet's a big You can't anticipate, distance. yeah, you can't anticipate the direction of the fish. And that's probably the biggest thing you guys see too is like, all right, where's it going to go? And I know right. I know where it is right now, but where's it look like he's going to go? And if you can't tell the guy at the wheel up there, and if they don't have a clear line of sight, yeah, the stern station is the way to go. Yeah. Even just seeing where the hook is, like just our dad being back there, you know, for years, so used to being up forward. Inside. And he can visually see, all right, he's hooked on the left side. Yep. And then you know exactly right. what you need to do. It's important too because you can you can maneuver the boat to keep the hook on that side so yeah. it doesn't go through his mouth. Yeah. If you make a weird direction change and you start pulling on a different side of his mouth, he turns Just over, chase, chase yep. you right off. Yep. Um, Leader and stuff like I mean, I think there's scenarios where you can get away with like you know 180 or 200, and everybody plays around with that. But you know 150. You know, guys do 130, but we typically do 150, everything for the canyons or, yep. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, Is that what you're doing for bluefin to 150? Yeah, 150 mostly. But, you know, depending on the scenario, like later in the fall and they're a little bit easier to 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 get them to bite. Yeah. Like, I think upgrading your diameter is probably the smart fucking thing to do. Right. Yeah, we, we, do, we do the same. Yeah. 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 But More the J hooks, I just I haven't. It's one of those things. Like even with leader, I brought when I had my little episode with losing those fish with the other Dan that fishes with Danny Young. You know, we went through the whole. You know, Deskin gave us a fucking spool of you know. Here's some Makai. Give it a try, which I wanted to try. It was nice and hard. It was like, all right, I'll give this a look. And Dan's like, my brother's like, hey, no, put that fucking thing on. <laughs> and I was like, all right, but you weren't there for that emotional meltdown that requires us at least looking at this. So yeah, I, it was like a week of me trying it. And then ultimately the stuff that always worked started working again. Yeah. yeah. So it's like being in a rut. It's like having the yips. Dude, mm-hmm. And no matter how good you think you are, there's always a rut every year. That's you the know? truth of it. I remember we lost six fish in a row and all, you know, day by day by day. I think it was one or two bites oh. a day on Southwest Corner. And they were all over 100 pounds. We lost every one of them. Come was to it find mostly out, chafe? We thought a lot of it was chafe, but come to find out we, had, we were using a shitty crimper. And I think a lot of them were, we broke two hooks and then the other four we chafed with circle hooks. Yeah. Two of them we fought for like three hours, so that was understandable. But the other two 
broke and we just thought they chafed off. But then come to find out we were breaking the line in the crimp. Yeah. That was probably the most, it's probably the most important thing I've found how the rod is supposed to look at the stage of the fight and your confidence with your connection. So I know there's, you know, the micro press is all this other stuff. I mean, I learned from Damon with, you know, the LI Mm -hmm. or the SG and you can both work different jaw, everybody different jaw. But we had that first, um, when I was at ICAST and the fish showed up the Cox's, there was this whole fucking connection dilemma that, you know, someone didn't crimp it properly. The first fish pulled and then it just created like a butterfly effect from there. And it was like derailed, you know, crimpers thrown off the boat, switching brands from, you know, from crimps previously and just gone back to the, yeah, you have to color them in, but whatever, Um, you know, you know, they hold and knowing what that can hold changes it Very from like three and a half hours to hour to 20 hour. or an yeah. hour 20. Like if it's going over hour 20 and hour and 40, like hour 40 is max from now I'm feeling very co- confident to whew, this is not right. going to go. For we get long. to that 90 minutes. I will say we're a little more aggressive on release days, but that 90 minutes it's yeah. hand yeah. pressure or it's going up. Yeah. It's a full, you know, combination. Full drag. It probably is full drag at two hours. Yeah. But we're also have people on the boat every day that have pretty much never done it either. So I got to imagine that's such a, that's like the, the, I we've noticed a lot over the last few years, especially with these, this release stuff. Um, how many captains don't let their customers do the end game, you know, they throw the poon. No, no. Well, I don't mean them allowing them to throw the harpoon, but like actually fight the fish for the last yeah. Ten, five, ten minutes of the fight, there's so many people that hop off mm-hmm. and do it themselves. And I, I get, you know, the whole harvesting part of it, but I'm even seeing it releasing. Yeah. You know, they're nervous of getting it up at the very end. That's I'd good. rather I'd rather it leave with I'd rather them on leave. the rod than when I'm on it's the like, rod. Like, oh, you fucked up. Well, you shouldn't <laughs> yeah. have done it that way. <laughs> like, oh, what would you have done differently? Absolutely <laughs> nothing. I'll be honest yeah. with you. But that, but I, I got to imagine the confidence that you guys get just from like catch and release. It's like, yeah. all right, that's how much I can put on that. Like yeah, right. I can. Oh, 100%. And not knowing without having experience or seeing it is right. the confidence thing that you have to get over. Yeah. Right, I've seen this go this way enough times. I know this rod is supposed to look totally. like until I feel something indicating it's rubbing yeah. or doesn't feel right. Okay. Now we, now, now we can put this heat up. Yeah. I will have to it's show it. when to do it. Show it out. I think I'm sure you'll be of the same similar mindset but fishing in canada in the like height of the hand feed with the bruces was like going it was like honing your bait and switch skills in costa rica, in costa rica for white marlin and sailfish back here what do you what do you mean like just it was like understanding boot, boot drag, drag yeah it was like boot camp for drag on you're either. getting five five plus shots a day. Absolutely no worry in the world if you right. lost fish, and you could just put heat on them and understand line. It was just like like Taylor said, it was like boot camp for two years. Yeah, tuna fish. And knowing wise. when to put heat on, when not. I mean, you can't put full drag on a fish right off the bat. Yeah, and expect to get them, but you can put a full drag on a fish at a certain point in the pinwheel, and you can yeah get them much faster. Just the whole. Our whole demeanor changed too, like being calm when you're in a shit show and the anchor and understanding like 
Getting off the anchor late is better than getting off the anchor early. Same thing with the herring nets in Canada. Like a lot of it translated and just like boosted that confidence level and connections and hookups and drag yeah. pressure and all that in like a one to two year span when it was compare, comparing their fishery to our fishery. Ours was slow when theirs was fucking insane. So yeah, what's no. the deal up there? They do they have that going on for a long time and they're just lobster fishing and crabbing and shit and yep. they're just like, oh, we're, it's open tomorrow. Let's go. They'll be they'll be commercial mackerel fishing, hand feeding giants off the side. In of July, the like In July, July, August, summer mackerel, commercial mackerel fishing. It's fucking so cool. And they get five Nuts. fish under the boat and. Do you? Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think that? At any point, if we let up on the pressure or the, you know, accessibility to giants, like something like that, like obviously the bait is up there in the yeah. cold water, but you know, the fish mingle in here too. Do they, they, they don't breed up there. They breed down in the Gulf and yeah, they don't breed up there. I think it's like, a, it's, it's hard. I think it's I like almost like the top it. of the stream. It's almost like, you know, there's a huge body of fish that move in that direction and then they just pile up in there. And I think because there's so many, like when a school goes through. Yeah, there. It's massive. Are they it's, all? It's like being fish? in the Carolinas. Not always. Not no, always. no. But it's like being in the Carolinas. Like these herds, they'll be. You may see a school of five hundred fish, but the herd know? is in sixty feet of water. It's like, and there's only you know their their charter fleet on a typical day. A busy day is two dozen boats. There's no recreational pressure. Like like a commercial charter mingle fishing off of like let's say north lake two miles yep. out of north lake harbor yep. is the most i've ever seen is two dozen boats so you get a herd of 500 tunas and two dozen boats it's like you're not even making a dent even if you're you're getting your release max every day and half the fleet's harvesting a fish go right back out the next day and there they are again yeah you know? and in some years it's not giant herds they'll be like spread out portions but there's a giant herd somewhere yep Yep. So, you know, you may have to go two hours and when you get into them, it's like being like these pictures I see. I've never fished the Carolinas for bluefin, but you see these pictures Morehead. of people's screens. Oh, yeah. Of all those just, fish, yeah. You know, false bottom. But picture that, but up, you know, and 100 feet of water. That's that's insane. Yeah. I have a picture on um, our Instagram, my Instagram of we end up getting like a released a fish in the morning. It was flat, calm, dead all day up there. And our buddy went and hauled his net. Typically what happens, you go out in the morning, you haul your net, do your thing. Fishing kind of dies out in the middle of the day or if it's not, you know, if, if the tide changes in the morning, yeah. in the evening, whatever else. I have a picture. It was dead slow for like six, seven hours. Craig gets back on his net. We see him haul his net, puts one rod out. He's on, gets us on the radio. He's like, you're going to want to haul my net. <clears throat> we get over to his net and... The sounder, dude, like there is no background color to the sounder. That's fucked up. It is just, it dude, is just red nuts. arches. It, look, it looked like herring on the bank or, or mackerel yeah, on like, the bank. Yeah, like top but to- tunas. T- it was like, we're just sitting like just sitting there, like not even throwing a piece of chum, and it's just black back, black back, finlet, black back, finlet, black back. It's just, it was the most absurd thing I've ever seen. And it's every year. It's, it's crazy. At some I, point at during some the year point. or it's some not, spot at some point. It's not guaranteed. Like that that herring, and I know we're tangenting here, but I yeah. don't care. Yeah. That herring biomass that they had off of North Lake definitely isn't what it was. The herring is still there in the Gulf of St. Lawrence and more toward yeah. Nova Scotia. And we've had a travel. 
you get a snippet of that hand feeding usually off North Lake the past couple of years, but it has not been as consistent. There's been a lot more mackerel. Yep. Like they're the surface feeds and the the bird dude the bird like like the scene from 300 when they shoot all the arrows i know i've said this like five times on the podcast legitimately pulling into like busting 900 pounders and it's just like getting it all around you as far as you can see it's it's again hitting the water every three feet just going like like a gallon gun again it's yeah and then you go down to back to the bank and it's you know yeah mark three you know what there's been several years now that we've caught just as many well, on the, the bank release the days times. when you guys don't see that boat pressure from the part-time commercial guys or the rec good. guys. Like I see, you know, when I talk to Robbie or Brad or, you, you know, I see you guys do, doing two or three a day. Yeah. yeah, That's not much different in the same time of year. Right. As in Canada. Yeah, it's just not the yeah. same type of exposure. And I think it's... Fish, are, fish last year was different because the fish by us were big, but... A lot of years, their fish are just much bigger than ours. You know, They're like a, a small one is that 105. It's, you know, most of them are the 110s, the 115s. 110, 108 to like 112 up there is their average. Yeah, they're massive. Oh, they're yeah. all, and you're all in the chair? All in the chair, all 50 chair pounds Chair stand up. We did, uh, we had like, you know, you get guy, like crazy psycho guys, but we had one day on the Penn VISX 50s, which are legit, you know, better drag than most 80, 80 wides and stuff out there. We did a 750, an 850, and a 950 all under 45 minutes up there and stand up. Yeah. It's not In the chair. It's just, you just get so many shots that it, it just gets you so confident that when that one bite for the day happens on the bank, yeah. you have... You're just just as relaxed mm-hmm. as, as if you're going to have five or ten. Bucks. It is. That's the yeah. That's the big thing is how do you handle the chaos and yeah, yeah. Getting all you mentioned getting off the ball a little later than earlier. I mean, mm-hmm. one, yeah, that's probably one. Poly of the ball biggest. getting caught in your wheel because you you, you slid yep. twenty five feet. Think about it for a minute. If you, you have just, someone you can trust that can handle the rod while you're thinking about getting off the ball, that's big. That might be a good thing. You want to just kind of say what our the method to our madness is there. It's basically keeping our anchor tight when we have the fish on. Yeah. That's like the whole goal. So like, you know, if the fish runs up towards the bow or crosses into the anchor line, we want our anchor tight so we have a... It's not rubbing as much. It's, it's uh, you know, we loosen the drag a little bit, but um, it allows us to know which side he's on without loosening it up. And now you've got a big bow in the anchor and you don't really know whether he's under or over. You don't know how that angle is into the water. Because once you slack up, that ball is now rocketing forward if you're in current. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rocketing forward because the line's sinking. So it totally changes the angle. Plus, you can kind of see, like, if you have tension on it and you start rubbing into it, you can you can watch the ball shake. But if it's slack and you get off and it gets into it, a lot of times that ball doesn't even move because it's just pulling the slack of rope around underneath. Um, so we, like, tight, like, our... Like, even if we get into an anchor situation in a tight fleet or whatever, Mm -hmm. we don't want anyone to get off their anchor until we are 
right there. Oh, so yeah. it's more even like, yeah, cooperate. It's our own anchor or someone else's someone anchor. Else's. It's like, keep that anchor tight because then you you know there's going to be no wrapping. You're either under or over it. And if right. you're under it between their baits and the anchor, they can get uh, off. Yeah. So they can make a turn. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. But if you're like, oh shit, we're on, anchor off. And then the fish ate the down rod and he's swimming into the tide. And right. now he's wrapped in the anchor. You can't tell if he's under or over right away. Yep. You know, I'd rather just have loose drag, armpit the 130 and just be like, I can't really tell. Drive this way. And if, if the line angle starts going up, we'll just turn around the other side. Mm. Right. And most of the time, you're fine. Come around the other side and there you yeah, go. 50 shot. You know? But. Um, and that's one thing I think we learned a lot from the nets, too. It's like we stay tight on the net and don't drop that cinder block until the very, very last second. So you know if you're under or over it. Because you're, you're hand feeding a fish and you're hanging on a 300 foot herring net. It's like hanging on two anchors, really. And honestly, you know, even with like 30 pounds of drag, the fish has no idea it's hooked for sometimes like 30 seconds. Yeah. But like those real big fish, like half the fish we hooked this year that were over that 800 mark, or I should say over that 750 mark or 700 mark, when we lit up on the drag with them, they take a little line, but like they just keep swimming around the boat and shit, still eating and doing whatever. That's when you don't want to get off the ball. Because they're not, they're not going one direction. They're not going one direction. They're not taking line, not, you know, scared or whatever they're doing. Yeah, the ball is, you know, eventually we got to a point where we're like, all right, they're fucking here and I'm tired yeah. of moving. Right. So this is more relaxing. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually you realize that, all right, getting just as many shots, I can manage my bait better. Yeah, not and not everybody else is on the ball either, so right. it's easy for them to move. If case you know you had a you had a collision with them coming towards your boat or your fish or whatever, but yep. getting on the ball is it's everybody's preference. Everybody hates doing it because if you're not, but the good part about being kind of like the bay and and not having this real prominent structure, just dude, just throw the fucking hook where yeah. it looks decent. Right. And so the the one mile swath around me is all the same bottom. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. It's the you same know? odds. Yeah. Exactly. You're just making your day more comfortable. Exactly. Yeah, you get the like, yeah, you, you know, you get the sun going down and the boat spun to the it's like, yeah, it's just so much more comfortable. And then you can put another rod out. It's yeah. like you know, that's different. So when you when you're drifting the whole entire time, it's just it's like, all right, how much who's the help that I have on the boat? How reliable are they resetting the bait and moving the boat? And it's like, I don't feel like moving the fucking boat anymore. We're posting up. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. I prefer anchoring. We, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. I, I mean, I, I like, I like drifting when there's a lot of small fish around. Cause it, I feel like those, those fishes move so much, you know, and they're not quite as like, if you can get in f- near a school of small fish, I feel like you can fool them. Not necessarily the case with big fish, but, um, you know, when we get into a lot of those rats on the backside and yeah, I prefer drifting. Do you guys, bank, I like drifting. This might be too personal here, but do you guys ever get up and drift on the high ground up there? Yeah. 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 Cause one, one or two times I did it with, again, with D we were doing some slow trolling max and it's like, it's like, what are we doing? And then it's like, whoa. Yeah. Holy shit. To the high grounds where it's like everybody's at a lot everybody's of time. on the edge. Stroking it, doing things like, oh, there's bubble feeds over here. Yeah, you got smaller fish, but yep. you get one of those two pound max and you get it out there and it feels uneasy at first, but then right. you see that see it work. And hundred percent. Did it one or two times on our boat up there in that ninety foot 
you know, high eighties up in the high ground. And it's been like those, the draggers are working for it's usually well, later season. Yeah. It was like, like September yeah. on really. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, huh? Wow. I wonder if the boys ever give it a shot. Like we do all the yeah. time. Like if I see, if there's just whales scattered all over the shoal water, I'll drift. Yeah. If there's whales that are patterned on the edge, then I'll anchor on the edge. Yep. You know, or where wherever on the edge, somewhere on the edge. Once mm. we figure out where they like to hang, where the biomass of bait is. But um, did you see any patterns with whales by you, or is it kind of just free for all? Yeah. Uh, like, could you figure out, like, all right, those whales I saw yesterday, and they were with the fish. Yes, the whales, whales were. I think that's the biggest thing that we had to get over from you know all of the guys that you know fish seriously f- that went to the Cape had these habits like the whales fucking move. You got to get up and move and it sucks. And it's, you got to have the right guys to keep the, like, how do you keep two 14 pound bluefish alive that are still on a fucking hook? Like you got to get pretty creative with stuff. So we got totes lying around the boat. We found that it is a normal tote fits a 10 to 15 pound bluefish perfectly. Yeah. And you just put a hose that you got one guy doing this, (laughs) one guy doing that. And it sucks. Like I dread like you have to pull out a net. It's almost like a cradle for muskie to get these <laughs> bluefish guys. You've got like four left. You're like, uh, one's gonna go, one's gonna die, one's gonna get sharked up. It's like you gotta preserve these things, but you had to be, and that's where like I'm like, I'll ride it out. I'll grind anything out. Yeah. My brother's like, we're fucking going. We get up, let's go, let's fucking bring him in. We're gonna go over there. And it's usually the right choice. Yep. But yeah, it's the whales. Yeah. And you have to be in them. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. You know, they're eating and they're those fish are capitalizing around the whales. Usually when you're grinding and you're swearing at yourself pissed, that's in your own head happen. and pissed, that's when they bite. Yep. <laughs> uh, back to bluefish. What's like the most messed up looking bluefish you've got to bite on? Oh, yeah. Red, you know, looks so, like it has mange on it. <laughs> it like nasty shit. That's yeah, I mean, eating. yeah. Does it seem to be better getting bites on like the fresher, nicer looking bait? Yeah. Or did it not really matter? No, I think I, if anything, you want the presentation yeah. to be as ideal as possible, but you fish with what you got with the time frame you have. And, you know, we certainly don't log the amount of trips that like, you know, you guys would be able to log. So you got to go with what you have. So, what we started doing, and it was out of necessity because, you know, my brother's got two young kids and going back a couple of years ago, even when we would go to the canyon, we would like, we got to leave. If we want to fish for more than 24 hours. We'd leave at 6 p.m. after 7 p.m. when the kids go down and the boat's ready to go. And we come, we typically are doing all this traveling in the dark. So, you know, for anybody out there, like, you know, you got to, if you're out there and the, there's a different life out there, if you flip the lights on off the beach anytime it gets down, weird gets yeah really you, get, weird. you get squid you get mad you get all this <laughs> yeah. stuff that you don't see during the day because whatever it coats the bottom but it when we started doing more of the traveling at night yeah you can't see certain things but you can usually see what the what the feed is on hmm. like i remember later in the fall like butterfish a couple years ago you know we had to get out there because we knew we had to be back at a certain point but you're sitting out there at night you're going to get more bait and that's when bait is typically tougher to get later in that year. Like yeah. the bluefish start moving out to Southwest ledge of block and, but you know, squid are always pretty reliable. It's just hmm. easier at night. You guys hook your squid or bridle your squid? I start, so yeah, I hook them. This is when like, yeah, small circle hook. Perfect. Smaller, the better tight fricking crimp loop. So they can't double back on you. Yeah. Um, 
haven't had a ton of confidence in the ringed hooks with these smaller baits, but I imagine that's just because we're fishing bigger stuff most of the time. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, you talk about stitching that mantle to the shank of the hook just so it stays straight or so it doesn't tear. We, do, we just do like a either a rubber band or a... Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. I think a floss, like just X. stitch, X stitch or whatever. Just a slip knot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically like so guys just the hook top them right of, to the tip of it. Yeah, the top of the squid, like the top of the squid's facing me, you know, 14 inch bait. It's probably like three to four inches back from the tip of the squid is where we'll put the probably hook. not even that far. Probably not even. So the the squid can still either swim like in escape mode or in like feeding mode, I guess. So the hook can pick right in the, right the, in the top of the triangle. Yeah. We, That's how we, we do it anyway. Yeah. It. No shit. Yeah, yeah. Just right under the skin with the rubber band. And it seems to like kind of hold them in the current and plane them down. Too. This is top secret information. Yeah, by the way. we might have to, have to tell anybody this. this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am listening. You know I'm, what? I am not. I am not. There could be this. two thousand people listening to this, and I guarantee you, one person may pick up on this. Yeah, you know. Yeah, how it all works. But yeah, everybody's got their know own. when to use it, when not to use it. Yeah. It's listen, it, and that's a good point to like touch on. Is like you know, info is so critical, but like it's the effort in actually following through on it. And yeah. Yeah, you find out what works for you, and then you know that's that takes a lot to get to that point to know right. that this thing made a difference. I tip the cap to anybody willing to exhaust themselves the way you probably did to find out that worked. Like, right? The f- I'm sure they love knowing it, but following through on it's entirely and it's not way. always the same for every condition circumstance. It's right. like Speed that's how current. we do it most of the time, but. I might yeah. fuck around another way. Yeah, I might know? get lazy as well, and I might yeah. just right. put the hook just, in it. might be 47 fish on the screen, and I just hook the thing wherever the hook goes and put it down there. <laughs> but you guys probably see it better. It's all about who's the effort you're putting in, and, yeah. and you may feel like you're beating your head against the wall, but usually you've got to be way. really okay with yeah. – you're not going to sleep. If you want to do well, probably right. you're not going to sleep. You can't have both. And, yeah, having reliable people that kind of do it the way you – have seen it done and seen it worked. One, you made a point earlier, you know, bringing your, your, co- your, your coaching skills, being coached, kind of the, every aspect of being an athlete and how that translates into being, you know, a fisherman of your caliber and, you know, your family's caliber are kind of a relatable thing. Yeah, <clears throat> I sure. did. I did emergency management for a long, long time. And like our our biggest thing is situational awareness. Like we harp on situational awareness in that field. And it's the exact same thing fishing. Like if you're just a passive person, like you could take all of this information that we're talking about. And and if you apply it passively, it's not going to work. But if you apply situational awareness and your instinct and like kind of get a read on what's going on and just like, it's almost like a flow, like we keep saying, yep. you know? It's urgency and then there's panic. Yeah. And there's a pretty fine line between that. And when you see, like, you know, another boat, like, with chaos, yelling, then it starts teetering on, all right, dude, you're going to get your fucking poly caught in your wheel. And yeah. Now, yeah. You, now you're going to have a real... Something's very dangerous. It, it turn, it, it's, a, it's a fine line and... Right. We had those times where it's like, ah, oh, that didn't really, you know, maybe someone had it on a cell phone or something. And it's like, <laughs> I th- you know what, that that's not how we should be doing it. Yeah. And that's not how any of the guys that are better than us do it. It's, you see a common theme and it's like, you know, composure and speak up. Yeah. And with what you fucking see. Yep, exactly. 
usually that's a good start. It's like effort, you know, putting in the extra work, watching your lines and, you know, putting in the time. Time. I got, huge. I have one more question. All these bluefish days, what are some of the most epic bites you've seen? Because I guarantee you've seen some crazy shit with fish and bluefish. Maybe you haven't. Maybe they've all been they're silent killers. They're, 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 like, yeah, like the surface ones, chasing yeah. them around. So when these fish, so it, the bites range from like 30 miles away to off the beach and it fluctuated. And for all we know, they were probably in all three spots at some point during the day. But um, all the bites were pretty subtle, like subsurface. Really? There wasn't any crazy surface action. Huh. The Later in the fall, um, you know, this past year, you yeah, it was a couple of right out of the hand, and I, I don't know why. I mean, that get fish out of the Oh no, not not not, not the <laughs> would be terrifying to me. <laughs> I, I know it's like you already feel like you got a fucking tuna on yeah, when you got exactly. a bluefish. It's like, was that a tuna? And it's like you sound like such a goober. Yeah. There's no other bait that can like make you fool you. You talk to any of like I remember asking Sandra. I was like, dude, like, do you guys fish with? He's like, dude, no, like two hundred and fucking two hundred pound test and a big fucking hook and hope for the best. And it's like, dude, well, that's all we got down here. It's like shit. But there's no crazy surface chases. It's like really, that's crazy to me. Even yeah. fishing high bluefish, like yeah. 20, 50 feet down. Yep, yep. Wow. There was no, there was no like, oh my god, he's on it, he's on it. Nope. I don't, I don't know why. You get any kite bites, or do you fish the kite at all? We did, but uh, again, it's if you're drifting or anchored, and if you're yeah. in a tight fleet with you know consolidated feeds, right? Putting up the kite is like shoot me in the head. Yeah, like, I yeah. wanna and who you have on the boat it, too. That's the other thing too. Yeah. Uh, but when you get on that anchor and you know that you got a shot, yeah, you can throw up the kite. But yeah, that's what everybody wanted to do. But when you're drifting so often, it's just like nightmare. But yeah, no, the blue bites were usually just, and then you either you know the type of boat that advances the reel, or you know you let them set the hook and right. And we found that with a bigger bigger bait, it's better to just yep don't fucking touch it just let it let it do its thing let the circle hook do its thing and yep i can't i can't say that was foolproof but it just you know worked better like yeah. you, you just want, left it locked up and yeah well not yeah not up. even really locked up just let him let him eat that thing yeah he doesn't know it's what's happening quite yet and we've seen cases where you advance the reel and you know you pull it right out but yeah. that's bluefish and from what i gather just asking picking people's brains it's like it's a dice Such roll, a baby. Totally. Shoot. Yeah. What you're I feel like you're interested in in, in the bluefish, Taylor. I am always. Taylor likes to hone his skills. Like anyway, skills. did you guys learn anything crazy from the guys up in Canada besides like cool Canadian demeanor and um, boat handling? Those guys, we've been very lucky to fish in some cool places, mm. and I can honestly those say those guys run boats better than 95 percent of the people I've fished with. Bananas, really? like 45 foot downies boats in a fairly half, you know, fast current harbors, tight, tight harbors, you know, where boats all stack up to each other against with one, heavy current, one common pier with you know, five 45 foot downies style lobster tuna boats. Like, but this way, we passed my buddy's father, Joe Pritchard, the man, great fisherman, by the way. His father's huge, fought a fish, snapped the chair off the pedestal mid-fight. What? He wore the chair like a bucket harness for the rest of the fight, basically. What? We got the fish, like 700-pounder, and Craig, another guy, awesome dude, had a stand-up crew for the day, so he wasn't using his chair. 
in like four to sixes, we went stern to stern and passed like a brand new pompanet chair, release chair over the transom. Like no, no smashing, no nothing. One seamless whoop, pass the chair back away. And then we we're both hooked up like 30 minutes later. That's Great. just one example. The nets alone, like imagine like one of the busiest mooring fields that you have down in Rhode Island, take all the boats out of them and try to fight tunas in it. Yeah. That's what it's like trying to fight in the nets. And these guys are just whipping in and around the gear, like no problem. Yeah. That's, that's takes, that's called big dick energy. Yeah. And <laughs> great to have like we're Canadians. So I don't know. If I, that's I, true. I, yeah. <laughs> but they, yeah, whatever you want to say, they're calm and collected and like handling a boat, like, Calm. A Calm. single screw down east boat, mind you. Listen, you know? I yeah, yeah, we were new once to to switching over from twin to we had a single screw way back in the day, and then I never had experience really, you know, really putting power over the rudder to to you know steer the fucking boat. Yeah, and it's not like you can just ooh, ooh, ooh. it's like, no, dude, it's like you're you're gonna yeah. And there's been times where you know, you get pinned up against the dock early on, and it's like fuck that boat does not move unless you're putting power behind right. it. Yeah. And it's and you have that's to make uneasy. That, you have is, to make that split second decision whether you're gonna goose it to get out of a, a shit show or you have to just let the shit show happen. Yeah. It's basically one of those two decisions. It's yep. either you're gonna bump off something and that's it, or it's gonna be you're gonna attempt to escape. <laughs> Correct. That's the I don't like the feeling of just getting past that battle and, that boat or and that's why they yeah, they they're work boats and they yeah. they know that there's an acceptable level of rubbing and oh 100 boys you do you guys are you guys cool if i phone danny in just real quick yeah. all right put him on speakerphone you want to put him kind of up to your mic if he answers sorry we're running over here oh dude you're good this is this has been awesome no awesome time dan you're on uh you're on the airwaves not live but we can edit you're on the podcast dan What's, What's up, happened? buddy? How are you? Uh, living the dream here, you know? Just battling some seasonal depression. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I think that's the reason we're all here, yeah, actually. Yeah, we're, we're trying to yeah, beat to, that battle. We're a support group, right? <laughs> Correct. Well, Dan, you, you missed some very relatable topics. It, cer it certainly sounds like there is a similar dynamic that we've, uh, we've ironed out. We have a good working <laughs> formula, but... Um, I, I didn't even touch on this. Danny, I wanted to tell them a little bit about the Block Island story where we had a Steven Seagal, Tommy Lee Jones hand fight in the cockpit after three days of drinking and not catching. But no, the boys wanted to get you on here for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Nice to uh, talk to you. Yeah, it's uh, you know, the brother thing, right? It's, it's fun, I guess. It's interesting. <laughs> it's I, got its ups and downs. You know? I, I think it's kind of weird when people fish with us and they're like, oh, there was no fist fight. I don't know what the hell to think now. <laughs> no, I, I, that's, what I was, that's what I was telling them. I was telling them that, you know, because they asked how we got into fishing and then, you know, where we are now. And I was like, well, listen, at the end of the day, uh, we all loved getting out there on the boat. But I told them, I was like, you know, you work with dad every day. You know, I had a different dynamic because I was able to kind of just be the, the guy who went fishing. But you know, you were what, 14, I was like 10. And, you know, we didn't even really start fucking hanging out as like peers 
and until I was like a little bit older. And it sounds yeah, like he's got... buying, buying his beer, and then all of a sudden he, he wanted to be my friend. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Ah, uh, that's the fucking missing link. Party all of a sudden. Hey, yeah, I have an older brother. Yeah, it happens. It happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were. Uh, Talking about the difference between upper management, middle management, and uh, uh, plebe surf surf through. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, no more captains on the boat. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like it sounds and looks like you guys have a, a pretty sweet program though, and we have a lot of uh, relatable things. Fishing as a family, so we're definitely going to have to get both of you on here at some point and have a good old conversation. Talk about whose personality is better. Exactly. <laughs> For sure. Sounds like I'm a little closer to your personality. Uh, it's it's yeah. fucking actually, you know, like I said, Dave, like we've had a, a few drunken hangouts back in the day. But yeah, uh, there's the internal guy. That's You'll find out what he's really thinking later on after you get to know him or mainly after 10 beers. <laughs> And then there's the there's then there's the the external guy, the approachable guy. We 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 talked about he's like he's like Matt, was that approachable enough? <laughs> because one person has to be more networky or the contact guy, and, and you know someone's got to be the cold hearted killer. And uh, usually, he just loves the fish, and he wants me to tell him he did a good job. I'm like, <laughs> you were okay. You were okay. Yeah, very good job, mediocre at best, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't ever do that again. Uh, well, you need yin, yin and yang, so it sounds like you guys got that going on. <laughs> For sure. That's fine. Yeah, but um, yeah, we've been here. We talked a little bit about the bites and the stuff that's going on. That Top secret. Top secret. Yeah, there might be some editing. We don't know yet, but I think it was fairly vague. And it's like I said, yeah. it's like, dude, I could, we could tell you everything you want to know, every single detail, but... You know, being able to get out there and be confident to go fucking do it is entirely different. Totally. 100%. Totally. But we'll get you on here maybe another time. I think this went well, guys. Yeah. I think it was good. We want to um, go over deep a little we'll bit. Go over deep a, a little minutes. bit yeah. and wrap her on up. All right. Good deal. Danny, just want to get you on here real quick. All right, bud? Awesome. Appreciate it. Nice talking to you guys. Later. Thanks. Thanks, See you man. later, bud. bud. See you. Yeah. So, Deep, tell us, tell us kind of what you have in store for the spring and the 2022 fishing season yeah so you know it's going on like year 10 with deep and year eight for me so you know the company started with my partner mike and his brother and you know they they knew they kind of had something they had worked with a guy that had done logo design stuff for you know big brands burton coke stuff like that so I, we thought that the logo is really solid to to get started and they needed they had a little following with trade shows and you know selling direct but they needed some walking into shop presence and that's where kind of I came in and then you know ended up by investing myself and became part owner so it was it was early on when we linked up and you know talk about yin and yang being able to cover all your bases it was a good balance like you know mike and i didn't know each other beforehand but you know we became good really good working partners we were able to stay in your lane and focus on the stuff you do well so basically yeah it's you know fishing is always going to be the the hallmark of what we're what we're made on but we've realized that and you guys could probably say this too it's like you know you find something comfortable that's 
comfortable to fish in. Mm-hmm. Pretty much going to be good for anything else. So right. that's where we started developing like the hybrid line. And, you know, our bread and butter is the the hybrid boat to bar stuff, like, you know, flexible, stretchy, comfortable, cleans easy. And we've been able to apply that recently, which is like the new thing is, you know, eco conscious decisions. And we really had to walk the line of, listen, we don't want to be waving the green flag here. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that are probably like us. We drive trucks because we need them for what we do. Right. Um, we understand they're not probably not the most efficient vehicles, but we got real life shit to deal with. And there really wasn't a place for the eco, the guy that maybe knew he wanted to recycle a little bit more on the boat or clean up their trash or be a little more responsible. But overall stigma of fishermen and outdoors guys is they rape and pillage and don't do anything to give back. And we're like, you know, that's bullshit because yeah. frankly, for the people we know, just because they don't advertise it or, you know, they're more pull, respectful than the wreck. They people. do a lot more yeah. than, than what people think. So we thought it was important to, yeah, you can make a casual impact by yeah having an option from a regular poly cotton shirt to a, you know, an eco recycled shirt. And that's kind of what we're doing. We're kind of making it for the guy that was kind of forgotten about. And we think there's a lot of people out there that you can casually make an impact on this and it doesn't have to be I'm full green or all this other stuff. So that's been important. That's going to be a big message for us. You know, we banned some single use plastic bags and it's a slow March to make that transition. But from what I've seen, the materials are, you know, superior. You start talking about the recycled stuff tied into a good cause. It's, it's all good stuff. So that's the, direction we're going to keep kind of capitalizing on. I mean, we're we're growing a ton, so we don't want to change too much, but, you know, going back to being anchored in this type of hardcore or authentic, you know, business or industry gives us a lot of, you know, scope on how this would apply for another, you know, another activity outside, whether it's hiking or this other stuff. So the fact that we're based in the Northeast, it's like, you know, you're going to be ice fishing in the same shit that you probably fish in the fall with. And yeah. you're not replacing your bibs with some superior bib. You know what I mean? You, right. you got to, what, what does someone want to wear that's comfortable? They want to wear it all the time. So that's basically what we're focusing on is, you know, getting into new markets. You know, we realized that, you know, fresh water is a pretty open spot. And some of our biggest new customers from a storefront perspective are, you know, there's people that love the tuna stuff or love the fish stuff, but also they're enamored with it. Right. And there's nothing for that person in Wolfboro, New Hampshire, or yeah. you know, Geneva, Wisconsin. It's uh, so it's cool to see. It's cool to see that huh. they have the same passion for it and call it whatever you want. The awareness of tuna in general, or people, it's it's cool to see. So it's growing, a million different things going on at once, but it's all like good problems, and you know, we're pumped. You guys harness the the lifestyle of fishing, no matter what it is, or being on the water outdoors very well. Oh, thank you. I think, yeah. one, I think one of the, honestly, one of the most fun things for as disgusting as it is and how much it pisses us all off um, was the balloon challenge. That oh, we that's did. cool. Well, you guys have been out there and you've seen, it's like, dude, why is this every like 800 feet? It's crazy. It truly is some days. Father's Day in particular. 20, 30 balloons. Yeah, early in the spring. And it was, you know, we needed, it it was convenient timing because we had just like, all right, how do we, you know, 
get, knowing who we are, how do we, be, how do we convey like an eco message? And it's after talking to guys a little bit about you, know, you guys, a few other people about the balloons that they see it and they're like, yeah, it's fucking crazy. And we pick up all this other stuff. Look at this gill net. Weber sent me a picture of this gill net he grabbed and nobody would ever know about it. But you know, the, the conception is our oh, fishermen don't give a shit about that stuff. But so it really forced me to be like, wait, you know, there's a lot of people out there doing some solid stuff and this is pretty in line with, you know, what we're trying to do. So what if we tried this? Hey, we'll reward you if you document it. Yeah. And the traction we saw was like out of this world. It was like every 10 minutes I was getting a notification, a submission. Crazy, and it was, but there was a couple people that, you know, Damon Burden on, is it Pythias? Pythias? Pythias. 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 Yeah, yeah. Pythias. yeah. And then Chris Spies out of uh, Long Island that were just like, dude, every single day, like, 30 balloons and it's like and we're not talking for those that are listening we're not talking about fishermen like tuna balloons yeah we're it's talking like mylar from land that yeah. are going into the ocean helium balloons yeah these are the ones that you know scientifically proven do not deteriorate over time right. and it's you know this is the stuff that looks like jellyfish which is why the you know the turtles and all this other we're shit. seeing i mean a couple dozen a day on like a bad day yeah, there'll be clumps of five, 20, ten of them in a clump. Twenty feet of ribbon attached to it, plastic yeah. clips. You know, once the color wears off, to your point, it looks just like a jellyfish. It's crazy. And then you get guys that, all right. So you get your bow rider weekend guys into that, and then you talk to a, a kid I went to high school with. He runs an uh, an offshore lobster boat out of Fairhaven, and we reconnected. I was like, dude, if you see him out there, he's like, I see him all the time. You know, this is like east of Georgia's past that. That's and he sent me crazy. pictures. He's like, I don't have, you know, any way to send you a pic while I'm out there, but I'll send you a few when I get back. So the fact that we have a guy like that and then a guy like Joe Weekend taking mm-hmm. part in it. So it told me and us, the rest of the group, like, this is pretty relatable and it's pretty easy. And, um, you know, we got some really cool brands behind the giveaways, you know, Costa, Guy Cotton, yep. you know, the guys at Chatter and stuff. Like it was, it was people, it's a no brainer. Yeah. So I think there's more there and I think it's important to, you know, give every, every day person, you know, you don't have to be full Patagonia and all this other stuff. You can re- have a real life, which is really what it boils down to and chip away at the doing the good person thing. So totally. yeah. that's kind of what that's about. But yeah, you know, deep fucking, you know, full cylinder, full tilt and has been for a while. It's kind of a lifestyle at this point, but yeah. It's, uh, you know, having you guys be, you know, one of our lead guys for, you know, groups for, for this stuff is huge because getting you guys tied into a cause that we dreamed up and, you know, it, yeah. you know, it means a lot and having like a lot of the, you know, the highliners that you've had on here is, you know, it's cool. It's cool to see. And it's tough to get spec on it. Like when you're so close to every day, but when you step back and it's like, oh, cool, you know, a couple of those guys on the podcast were, you know, some of our guys. And yeah, I know a bunch. I mean, I know, uh, I think Sandra and Dave were doing it, right? Yeah. Everyone, yeah. everyone was doing it. Our charters were like, like if, we're into it. If we were fortunate enough to like have an early tuna day, we spent the rest of the <laughs> time looking for balloons. balloons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, listen, you guys probably would have won the thing too, but it, I mean, it's it so, look a little fishy. It, it's so hard. It's like, and <laughs> uh, Taylor and Brian win the balloon challenge. It's also hard to document it, like working on charters every day. It's yeah. like you do it, goes in the trash, and it's like Smalley knows it's cool. Not yeah, for nothing, know? but we found a horse. Yep, yep, we did. A we found full blown 
We, call, we called it a unicorn. It wasn't. Yeah, we got a nice tuna fish, and we I'll found send you that. that. We have a inflatable horse on top of oh, an eight hundred yeah. pound one that goes around your waist in a pool. <laughs> we'll with have a to giant do a, horse head. We'll have to do a balloon challenge. Hundred percent. We, greatest saw, hits. we saw it from like a mile away, and I looked at Brian. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> we just caught a unicorn. Is that a fucking unicorn? Like right, <laughs> yeah. right now? And we're pulling up to him. Look at my binoculars. I'm like, dude, that's a unicorn. <laughs> He's like jumping up and down, and, up being a horse. and you're on no sleep. You're like tripping yeah. out. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, oh, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> Is this for real? Or not? At first, I thought it was a person. Uh, yeah, it was scary, but then it quickly turned into a fantastic horse. event. It was like we'll, a gold. I think it was a gold horse. We'll pull. We'll pull, pull it up. We'll post it on your episode yeah. post for Instagram. Ah, uh, yes. So Love everyone it. can get a glimpse. Put some good thought around the title. I'll let um, you guys handle that stuff. But before, this is cool. Before we wrap it up. Not to interrupt you, but we've been going for almost almost two and a half. Voice it flows easily when you talk it about does. something you like, huh? You know, it just shows how much we needed this. We I did, oh. I did. <laughs> we need all your fun facts, deep uh, contacting and websites, social media. Social media, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So all that, um, all that stuff. Yeah, if you want to, you know, one of the things that we think we do a little differently is, you know, we. You know, my partner and I, we handle all the social, social media is an incredible tool and you can't properly hear what your customer has to say or see what your staff, pro staffers, ambassadors are doing. So we're really hands on with that. So we encourage anybody that's a part of it to tag us in anything, whether it's a shitty picture or a really cool picture. Um, you know, in our business content is huge and we like sharing our customers experience with it. So if you want to you know, if you want to find us, we totally encourage you to check out any local retailers throughout the Northeast, you know, first and foremost, and our website, shopdeep.com. Check us out. I think we have the Seabros 35 Discount code still, still working. Yep. yep. And uh, we've seen a few of the boys take advantage of it. It's about as good of a deal as you're going to get on the website. So, yeah. And um, your social is Smoltz11. Smoltz11. Yep. Old. Deep Apparel is Deep underscore Apparel. Yep. At Deep underscore apparel and yeah chances are if you send us a instagram probably your most yeah it's probably our big i mean facebook is you know one in the same it's like so from a business you can just share it and post once somewhere and then you can share it to two different fan base i mean it's huge but um yeah we're more interactive with instagram yeah and uh that's where we see most of our traffic and customers coming from so nice definitely encourage you to start up a convo not too long but uh, yeah, we'll always respond to the DMs and yeah, and we try to interact as much as possible. And that's one-on-one, but um, you know, that's been a huge tool to see the fans grow from like, you know, thousand to, you know, 40, 41, 42. It's, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. And it's nice to still have a handle on that because that's how you keep the authenticity and it's exhausting. I'm not telling you guys anything either. Because it's a lot you, of work. Hours yeah, of and, your day. And you got, yeah. And it's, you know, as we've grown to the point where, you know, we're so busy getting orders in the door and out the door. It's tough to find that time to, cause it takes brain power, a little bandwidth to put together a good post. And it's like, fuck dude, well, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to post this thing and just leave it there and, and not a- write anything underneath it. <laughs> I hear you. So you guys know the struggle, but we it's do. a good way to live it and wouldn't want it any other way. It's a good problem to have. Well, yep. Matt, thank you so much thank for you, doing yeah, this. Yeah, no doubt, guys. I was C- pumped to be here. Congrats on uh, some great fishing thank on you. your own vessel over the last few years. That's awesome to see having a fishery like that in your own backyard. And thanks for sharing some details on yeah. it with, with the listeners. Um, I'm just going to end this on OG's three words of fishing I mean, wisdom. To. We have to.
Just remember, you can't catch them if you don't have a hook in the water. Always trust your instincts. And the last one, you'll just have to keep listening. Stay tight, everybody. Thank you so much, buddy. Thanks, bud. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Seabros Fishing Podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guest, products that we use, or other podcast partners, please check out the description for this episode on our website, seabrosfishing.com. For information on our tail and fish artwork commissions, or to order our hats and other products, please check out our website or shoot us a message on Instagram. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel, give it a like and subscribe. And finally, if you want to book a fishing charter with us on one of the Mass Bay Guides boats, please visit massbayguides.com and call the office to book a trip. We appreciate you all.